Time, gentlemen, please. Time. Clear your lot, sling your up, get on out. This is the final Desho the Third. Ladies, gentlemen, members, welcome. I am Shaden, and joining me, of course, my fellow drinking buddy and partner in anime crime, it is the Soul Doctor. Hello, hello, friends. Hope everybody is doing as uh, well as they can be. I hope everyone is safe and healthy. Um, welcome to uh, its closing time. At the, mm-hmm. the bar known as Zesho the Third, and uh, you know, belly up to the bar and and have a final drink with us. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun. I'm gonna be staggering there myself. They'll be slinging me out, mate. Beyond the streets, just completely utterly sozzled in the brain. The lights are on, but nobody's home. The neurons are sparking, but nothing's working. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's I'm far more you. destitute than I imagined you would be after this. Well. No, 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 not so. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny. It's like, it's actually kind of very much like an, a night out, which it starts strongly and mm. then it gets a, quite a bit of a lull and you get a bit bored and something like really just annoying happens. And you think, oh, I can't be bothered with the rest of this. And then suddenly <laughs> something miraculous happens that just brings you right back up to where you started and you feel pretty good at the end of it for the most part. Uh, so hey, uh, congratulations to Death Parade for uh, swinging it back round and uh, restoring my faith in the show and making me like it again after the previous block of episodes, which, well, you know, I, I am like, you know, the world champion uh, with the honorary doctorate in watching paint drying, but even that was a uh, test of my fortitude watching those previous ones. Uh, hyperbolic though that may sound. But we're going to elaborate soon enough on why I like this uh, these block episodes more. Docs to give his thoughts as well, of course. Um, this being our Desho the Third format, we will not be going into uh, big detailed plot summaries apart from when, of course, the, plot, uh, the talking points require it. We're going to talk about creators, we're going to answer a couple of patron questions, and right at the top, before we do anything else, I also need to give a content warning. Because... Um, Various events in these block of episodes reveal what happened to Chiyuki. So, content warning and spoiler in one, uh, we will be discussing suicide in this. Uh, I certainly will. Um, we'll be discussing, uh, you know, what leads people to do that, you know, like uh, mental health, tra- trauma, that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, uh, just to keep you, just to make you aware, that will be coming later. Um, so expect a substantial amount of discussion on that because that's one of the uh, it is actually part of the emotional and thematic climax of the show it's unavoidable uh, so yeah just something to bear in mind um, apparently we're also back to powerpoint mode again doc if there's anything you yep. can do to no I've read uh, I'm doing the best I can over here to make sure things are closed I don't appear to be running anything particularly uh, intense you know, I don't have too many tabs open. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, hopefully I mean, it gets better. 
I mean, maybe maybe he's telling the truth and maybe he really is running 30 instances of Train Simulator. We'll never know. <laughs> yes, exactly. Sorry. We'll, but, uh, we, we will ne- gotta never Got to shut know. down the, the, the botnet, the Bitcoin miner. <laughs> I, I mean... Maybe you're just torrenting that Twitch leak before so you can find exactly. out the earnings yep. of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, all of the hottest streamers, like people who talk about WoW all day and uh, people who yell a lot, <laughs> uh, you know, like games when they don't need to. I'm not being judgy. I'm not being jealous, I promise you. But anyway, enough diversions. We'll get right into this. So we're, of course, covering Death Parade episodes 9 through 12. Um, we're going to go, firstly, I believe, into... Shall we do a quick spoiler-free, quick summary of how we felt? about the episodes. I mean, I think my feeling is perhaps clear, but I might want to broaden my uh, analysis that a tiny little bit. Or do you want to go straight into the creative suck? No, let's, like, let's put out uh, uh, our broad feelings on the show. I feel like that is, uh, that's what we usually do. That makes sense. Okay. Okay, cool. Well, I can... I'll get this as quick as I can. I know that I am infamous for massively uh, overrunning whenever I say that, but I'll sum up as briefly as I can. Um, the revelation surrounding Chiyuki and everything that happens between her and Desim in the final three episodes uh, is great. It is the best part of the show by a long shot. It justifies the show's existence and its expansion into a full-blown show, albeit, in my opinion, I will end up concluding that I think this would have worked better as a six-episode show or an uh, OVA or whatever you want to call it, rather than a full-blown 12-episode one. Um, But nonetheless, a a stellar finale, a stellar conclusion for her story, along with the revelations that come with that. Um, The stuff that happens with Mayu and Harada, which happens, if I recall correctly, in episode uh, 10... um, Um, it'll come as no surprise to people who listen to our previous podcast that um well my heart did not grow three sizes that day it's just i just watched it and it just kind of washed over me you know i was Mm -hmm. just like "Eh, whatever Mm -hmm. but i do have a spicy take later on that particular scene uh and that conclusion to their little journey there uh but Overall, if you want my opinion on them, they could have been ejected from the show without too much consequence, in my opinion, as allowing more time to focus on Chiyuki and Desim, which is what really, really matters. But otherwise, overall, a strong end uh, to a show that I think needed a lot more focus, a lot more tightening. Uh, it does justify its expansion from the Death Billiards uh, short, you know, the concept, to a sh- uh, an actual show. But I really do feel like at times they just meandered around into nonsense that wasn't yeah. all that interesting amusing or relevant um but when it hit when this when this show goes to the home run by god does it go for the home run do you think uh well did it go for a home run for you like where where did you where did you end up f- feeling about it like i, I guess I we'll rate the show later I thought episode 11 was an uh, absolute... Well, I mean, the show is a whole. You, sure. Oh, guess, oh, okay. I mean, unless you want to save um, it for later. I'll save it for later, but I think that in the end, like, I like the show overall, but as I say, I think it really did need a whittling down. It needed a paring down of all the gristle and crap that was bundled onto, like, I would have ejected Mayu, I would have ejected Harada, I would have ejected uh, Oculus. We introduced him. <laughs> Wait until I talk about that mother... That, Wait until I talk about that hydrogen. We're, we're more of a, a bit. we're more of a Vive podcast. We're on into these Facebook virtual reality visors. 
Oh, God. well, his virtual reality visor is, uh, you know, plant-based. It's entirely uh, organic, <laughs> as it turns out. Yeah, I'd ejected him from the show. I, honestly, I think, as I say, like, I like it. They're going to kill him, focused. but then his brother, PSVR, will swoop in to take him. <laughs> I'm sorry. Nah, the, 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 real villain of this, the, re- the real villain of this will be Kinect. Let's oh, be yes, the, yes, you're right, you're right. So oh anyway, I, I, I think like you could have ejected so much from the show and just cut it down to a six episode series, an OVA um, thing, you know, or whatever you want to call it. Um, I don't know what the proper acronym for this, but you know why I'm referring sure, to it. Sure, sure. I mean, either down. one works. Yeah. And at that point, at that point, I think you would have had a really killer show uh, that actually does have things to say about how we view life and living. Things that, with the benefit of hindsight, might seem a little obvious, but I think in this show's particular articulation of that topic... It has, it's really, really good in the end. Just wish it didn't fanny around to get to there. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, stall for like one more second while I try something to help uh, the stream. S- oh, certainly. This, this helps out. Certainly. Um, yeah, I mean, I, gosh. I will say this though, um, I would very happily play a Death Parade VN. I reckon that could be really interesting if it got expanded out to that. Uh, I'm also a little tempted to say like, if you did do such a VN, you'd have all of the uh, actual games be mini games, uh, and that's partly mm. because I've I've been um, this is my sideways thing into mentioning I've been playing Accuser Zero recently because I picked up for like four pounds. I know it's uh, and it is a and it's a treat, absolute treat a game. But I was playing darts yesterday, so yeah. Get like do a VM where you get more games in. Like, how about we have like uh, the poker arc where it's like a battle royale of like twenty, like twelve people or whatever, you know, playing poker against each other, and the stakes getting higher, and they're all like really meshed together and linked together in some way, and you can really delve into that. Uh, some crazy stuff, like you know, you you could do all sorts of amazing things with that. I reckon if you expand it as a VM, um, but yeah, um. I also suppose I could rampantly speculate on who Oculus is, and the honest answer is I ain't got a fucking clue. Um, <laughs> I, God, I, I don't want to gain talking points just now because I'm going to save that for later. Uh, but yeah, he, whatever was happening with him and Nona in the end of the show, uh, I can't, I, I don't recall much of it, and I don't think it really matters to be quite honest. They essentially start commentating various parts of what's happening in episodes 10 through 12, where mm-hmm. Oculus is like, oh, he shouldn't be having emotions. And Nona's like, no, no, it's fine. Like, you, you don't know what you're talking about, you senile old fart. Uh, and I'm like, no I wireless. don't give a sh- I don't give a shit about any of this. Right. I don't care about I don't care about this discussion. I like Nona well enough, but I do not give a crap about Oculus because I don't know anything about him. But I'll save that for later. All right. Well, Rackham says that we that we're looking better. So, uh, thank goodness. Um, <laughs> luckily, did you adjust? Did, did did you adjust the repurposed coat hanger that serves as the TV aerial? Were <laughs> that, you holding up the uh-huh. back? Yeah, I, I. Nice. You know, you couldn't tell on screen, but my lower half was like a cartoon character, deaf, like stretching, creeping all the way across the room, and had to give it a a swift kick. To, uh, to point beep, it north. Beep, boop, Like that. Yes. You can get that, by the way, folks. That one's free. <laughs> okay. Here is... Here's my take. 
Um, God, I feel really bad. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh my! Is this going where I think it's going? Oh shit, son. Okay, do tell. I feel really bad because the show did not land for me. Oh, stop. Um, and I think it did take all 12 episodes for me to like really determine that. Oh and shit. This like, I feel bad because I know the show means, uh, a lot to different people. Um, and I see, um, I mean, I see like the power that could be in it for someone. Mm. I mean, certainly, like the topics covered are very, I mean, it's very primal, right? Um, and the show is not like, um, you know, it's not like, like, um, how do I say, uh, like sophomoric or or too edgy or like. Uh, surface level, like, you know, it, it has kind of things it wants to say that are, that don't really fall into those categories. But, but I don't know, man, I think to really like appreciate this show, you have to be <laughs> Thank you, Rackham. The reverse Uno card. Yes, it's true. Feels like that happened. Uh, <laughs> I think you really have to be super invested into um, Desim uh, and Chiyuki as characters and in their relationship. Uh, and I, I can't really say that I was. I think I just didn't get into them. And so it's not that I didn't... It's not that I felt nothing like seeing the resolution of Chuki's arc and seeing Desim kind of, uh, uh, you know, break out of his shell and learn things and grow. But it all felt to me very um, sort of, we've been here before with anime. Like it felt very like here's the standard like arty anime, a cut above your traditional shonen fair. Like here's sort of the the points we're gonna cover and the lessons we're gonna expound. And I think the things that it did say, I think to me, what I got from it anyway, the things that it were saying are said better in other anime and said more creatively, more originally, uh, with more force. Uh, in other anime and I, I'm also annoyed at the things that the show didn't try to do that I, that it felt like it was leading toward. I, I am kind of just like annoyed with anime who seem to like bring up the idea that the status quo is very bad and then return to it at the end not really Mm -hmm. changing very much of anything it just is like the acknowledgement of it is just not enough for me right now to feel satisfied with the story it's not to say that like in someone's personal journey reading stories or you know absorbing texts that that idea by itself is like invaluable because it is it's like a it's like a step but like but man i just really thought like something would come of 
you know, all the this exposition and thematic weight, the idea that like uh the kind of moral system as it stands is very arbitrary, very unfair, and you know, just kind of didn't really do anything there. Uh mm. you know, um Nona seemed to like have her theory she believed in. Oculus seemed to just not believe in it still. Uh, Decim continued to be an arbiter uh, and judge, although he seems to have a little bit of a different idea of judging. But it doesn't really, to me, move the ball that far forward. And, you know, Chuki was judged and she left and she's now a... Uh, just another dummy in his closet <laughs> you know what i mean and <laughs> like the stuff with with mayu and uh the boy uh i can't remember his name what's he called Arata. Arata? yeah in um genti's bar was like an interesting but it never really i don't know went beyond interesting like it, it was it was kind of neat like what happened like if you and there's a lot of, I guess, ways you could interpret it. Mm-hmm. But um, I know, I know you have a spicy one. I'm, I'm very interested <laughs> to hear what it is. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like the whole, like Chiyuki relearns everything about her life in the end and says, like, you know, fuck it, human beings can't understand each other. It's not even worth it to try to understand each other. But like that felt like a really weird move on her part. I mean, I know she was like mentally like distraught from relearning everything, but I mean, consider all the things she just witnessed, like everything that she just did at the end of episode nine, like <laughs> it just seemed to be such like a, a really backwards kind of move for her uh, to, to do that. Uh, and then, by the way, go go. Uh, James Beckett has recommended *The Good Place* to me. It's very high on that show. Um, what was I saying? Um, what was I saying? Oh, um, yeah. Like I just, I really, and then Chiyuki learns, like, oh, well, it's like we should try to understand each other. And I mean, it's cool. Like I under, I see what the show is trying to do, and I, I see how you could look at it and and feel a lot about it. I just didn't feel it, man. Like it just wasn't, mm. uh, it just did not resonate with me. That's, that's fair. I, I have two things to say to what you said, and this is not to disagree with you all, but rather I think just something to expand on your points. Sure. The first of which is when you said about the idea of the protagonist or protagonists realizing the corruption or fallibility of the system they operate in, you know, like the you live in a society and yet you participate in it. Very curious. That, that plot point, as it were, um, it reminded me of two shows that I have seen, one recently and one less recently. And I think there's a key difference between those shows which do that better um, than they do in Death Parade. And the shows I'm referring to, uh, the older one is Psychopaths, and the later one, which was much more recent, was 86 Season 1, which I have actually watched in full. Uh, both very good... Well, Psychopaths is good, but anyway, uh, uh, that's a discussion for di- that's a discussion for a different day. And eighty six is really good, shockingly so. I thought it was going to be, uh, hey, uh, you know, 
you've got your uh, Nazi analog waifu here. Enjoy. And, uh, well, <clears throat> thankfully not. But anyway, point being is that both, without spoiling too much, the lead characters in both shows uh, do learn the corruption, you know, the flaws, uh, the immorality of the systems they operate in. But they actually have an over-realization of that. And they continue to operate inside those systems despite it, knowing that they can't simply just click their fingers and change it overnight. But they recognize it regardless. And I don't think even Death Parade goes quite that far. Because the person making the realization of all of that is probably more Chiyuki than Desim in these episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's only a transient person in this uh, in this story in the end. Which I think is fine for her as a journey, actually. And I'll explain why later. But Desim basically continues doing what he does. And he doesn't actually ever, I think, have a... like. His criticisms of the fallibility of the system are entirely internalized about his own false judgments, rather than mm. I was made in such a way and made this way to do a specific purpose, which is to get through this really fucking fast. It's like it's like almost as if Oculus is operating as a Terry Pratchett villain, where he's really interested in getting through all the bureaucracy really quickly, uh-huh, uh-huh. you know, for the, at the expense of uh, you know the beauty of people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, but even as I say, that's why I think there's a distinction there between like Desim and characters. I can't remember the lead character's name from um, from Psychopath, but it's Lena from uh, Akane, uh, the lady. Yes, you're right. Thank you, Mush- mm-hmm. mush- mushroom ball lady, uh, voiced <laughs> yeah. by Kate Oxley in the dub. If I remember, she's a, she's a fine uh, English voice actress. Maybe that's beside the point. Uh, so, um, that's one thing I would say, and um, I'm I'm here open to you disagree or disagree. But I think for me, like the fact it doesn't even make that recognition is a mm. is a problem. Uh, but there's something else I need to know that I think is more important with respect to how we view this show, and it's something I've realised about myself, which is. I get the feeling if you had if we were reviewing this show three or even four years ago, my viewpoint on it would be different. Mm. Not to say better or worse in terms of its quality, but rather I'd have probably a much more visceral reaction to it. Mm. In the same way that if I had never reviewed Orange back when we did that, and I asked me to review it now, uh, then I would have a different reaction to it, where I would feel a bit detached from it. And I'm not saying hmm. detached as in like, you know, like I can't be emotionally affected by it or anything. Cause I thought what happened to Chuki was terrible and it really like it, it ripped me. Um, hmm. But I think having gone into a much better place in my life now than I was previously, like it's kind of curious and fascinating to me to see how I critique shows like this that cover the topic of suicide. Um, Cause full disclosure here, I have dealt with suicidal ideation in the past. I have been to therapy um, and it's going to be something I'll be talking about later when we talk about um, what happens to Chuki and what it means to like live a full life. Um, you saying we've lost that. our capacity for empathy? <laughs> Is that what you're uh, <laughs> I mean, no. I mean, mine. I mean, mine certainly goes out the window whenever we cover a bad show. I mean, for the people who made Tesla, no, go fuck yourselves. But anyway, that's beside the <laughs> point. Um, I did like that that part of the the finale. The uh, the way that they kind of um, taught taught the audience about empathy and showed Chiyuki was this deeply empathetic person and how, like, this is an important and good thing to be. And the way that they did it was, like, in parallel with the choice that Genti offered Mayu. Um, I thought that was neat. Uh, That was neat. I don't know, man. Um... I, I again I I I like all the things that it says. I just wasn't particularly moved by the way it said them. And I think mm. you know, 
I maybe like the way we did the reviews didn't do the show any favors. Um, like because the episodic storytelling, like I had trouble keeping in my head, like the way that all of these things were affecting Chiyuki and kind of her movement forward and, and decim- like I was just focused on largely uh, the, the souls that were coming to be judged. And I just, I don't know. Um, I, maybe if we watched it all in a more condensed kind of session or pair of sessions, uh, like I watched the whole show over the course of a week, we reviewed it. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'd react to it differently. Um, that sort of thing matters, I think. Yeah. Um, to, to go back to what I was saying, though, um, I think that to answer your f- comment about how many people have a lot of affection for this show, I can't speak for those people. And if you are indeed one of one such person, I will make this abundantly clear right now. Everything that I, I've said, like throughout the show's run, you, like, you know, I don't mean to devalue people's, like, experience watching it. Mm-mm. Because Mm-mm. I think that, you know, again, to suggest, like, if I was watching this, say, three years ago when I was in a different place in my life with a different mindset, um, then this actually probably would have raced even higher for me because I felt like it would have been a very valuable, you know, it would have been, like, a message about, like, you know, the you know the value of life and a life well lived and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, again, that really speaks to how your praise of the show is something that can't be done entirely clinically. Like, if, you know, we as critics, we have our biases, we have our perspectives, and I think that, you know, or even for people who are just watching this casually, like, depending on where they are in their lives, they're going to have a very different reaction to it than the rest of us. And I'll tell you, again, like I've said with other shows of this ilk, like with Orange, um, or other shows like, say, Wonder Egg, for example, um, for better or for worse... If this show has been a positive force on your life where it's, you know, made you feel better if you've been in a very dark place, mm-hmm. um, if it's helped you get through that in one way or another, even a little way, then as far as I'm concerned, that has unquantifiable value beyond it simply being a work of art. Yeah, that, totally. Very well said and 100% agree. I do, th- mm-hmm. I do think um, Wonder Egg is an interesting point of comparison for me because I remember when we were watching that show, we cared so deeply about the principal cast that we said, you know what? They don't resolve the world building stuff and the metaphysical mechanics of what's going on. That's less important to me than some kind of resolution with the character drama. And I just think maybe that this show for me, I cared more about like I felt more interested in seeing those kinds of, you know, details about the world resolve. Like I, I, what was the goddamn point of of the different departments and all that kind of thing. And, you know, known as whole deal, uh, just felt very superfluous. Not to say that added nothing, particularly Nona, but like, I don't know. She like, you know, if she just had the power of her on her own to like move memories around with the finger and summon them, 
and look at them and do like besides the aesthetic like how would the show have been affected at all i mean i just don't think it would have so well yeah i just was so i don't know like that that whole thing as a system the whole afterlife you know they they showed it uh and they critiqued it they critiqued the abstract idea of you know judgment uh that of of anybody making dispassionate judgment on Mm. humans but like then they just stopped i felt like it just wasn't enough so Mm -hmm. as i say i think i think this ties into my uh, point originally which was a substantial amount more focus the paring down of unnecessary and trite elements uh, to really condense this into its core message, its core appeal, to not have the distraction of the world building at all, to not have that be a part of it, would have made this a lot better, in my opinion. Maybe they but, just didn't have enough in terms of ideas. Well, that's like, that's the thing, though. We have to, we of course, that's it. We have to, of course, remember the origin point that this show came from, which was the pilot, mm-hmm. or rather the one-off shot, uh, Death Billiards. Um, which was a great proof of concept, but it goes to show sometimes, even when you can expand a proof of concept, um, it doesn't mean you can just start doing whatever the hell you want, uh, like with Mayu and Harada, or all the other guff that they put in here that just felt completely perfunctory. Um, and conversely, I should note, you talking about the world building there, if the show had wanted to go into great detail about the world building and not focused on Chuki to make her basically be the interlope who stays, and it's not about her at all, that's an alternative path one can take for writing this show. Whether or not that would be the best path to take is ultimately speculation. We can only hypothesize. But we seem to be having two different, like, through lines in this Mm -hmm. show, uh, which don't really gel together at all, and one of them is certainly more developed than the other, and it's the better of the two, in my opinion, which is the Chiyuki stuff. But the world-building stuff is just kind of there, but it leaves lingering question marks everywhere to the point where I'm like, well, just jettison it. You can literally strip some of these episodes down of various side content, like with Oculus and Nona, uh, and then, apart from the fact that they don't operate in a nice, clean 24 minutes, would lose nothing. Perfunctory. But, anyway. Largely, um, yeah. Yeah. He had a cool pool table. That's... Ugh. about that's the long and the short of it <laughs> he he did he did um right well anyway i suppose that's our thoughts out of the way we should start getting into more depth so we'll do creative search then we'll move on yep. to patron questions okay well um so we're gonna talk about a couple of episode directors this week and you know we'll look at a say you too why not um hmm. all right so First, we're going to look at the um, well, actually, <laughs> I said episode directors. We're going to look at one storyboarder, one episode director, and a say you. So we'll look at the storyboarder for episode nine of Death Parade, um, Hiroshi Kobayashi. And Kobayashi has done a fair bit of storyboarding key animating and episode direction um looking at the cv i feel like we have talked about this person before because they like were involved with uh kill a kill 
you know, storyboarded ah. three episodes, directed two, did some key animating. Um, oh, because this person directed Kiznaiver. Um, and storyboarded seven episodes of that. And that is a show. Did you ever watch Kiznaiver? No. Okay. So I haven't. Well, like his never. No. Uh, I haven't completed it because I kind of got disillusioned with it at the time. Although I realize I should probably go back and give it another shot. Right. But, you know, this is, uh, I guess that might be one of the only holes in your trigger viewing catalog. Um, well, there's a couple. A, Space Space Patrol Lulico is still on my to do list, as is uh, Gurren Lagan for that matter. Well, that's still they were still at Gynax at that point. Even though it's so funny, we all are just like, this is a trigger show <laughs> because like <laughs> it feels trigger, like it's Hiroyuki Amaishi, you know. But it's technically still a Gynax show. But um, yeah, I I I wonder how people feel about Kiznaiver. I I bet that the people that stuck around and enjoyed it are standing it still. Um, so we, we've also got, I mean, there's a ton of like interesting stuff that they've worked on. Oh no. C dash control dash the money and solve possibility. Oh, <laughs> another mention. We need, we, we really need to have some sort of, I don't know, like some sort of like a Q, no, uh, yeah, QI, um, like <laughs> wrong answer alarm. Like, you know, like when someone yeah. says, like, you know, the wrong answer, and they just have the alarm blare, mm. and then Gurren Lagan appears, and uh, sorry, not Gurren Lagan, uh, C control, I can't even say, you know what I mean. <laughs> yes. Like, we, we need to have that happen because the amount of times we mention that now, it feels like it's one of the most mentioned things ever, and yet I have not one iota of interest to ever watch it. <laughs> well, you, you could be forced to watch it one day in the near future. <laughs> Is that foreshadowing by any chance? Perhaps. Oh, you prick. <laughs> the foreshadowing of soul and possibility. Uh, the, he also directed Dragon Pilot, Hisone and Masotan, which I think is on Netflix, is a Netflix anime. And storyboarded a little psychopath, a little punchline, a little Noragami, a little saga of Tanya the Evil, the movie and the TV show. Uh, some Tiger and Bunny episode direction storyboarding. So it worked on a lot of really interesting properties. Now we're going to talk about uh, the director of episode number 10, Motohiro Abe. And Abe-san has a smaller CV. Um, looking for things I've heard about. Mm, oh, Fake Grand Order. First Order Special. The Unit Director. Also, oh, God. oh, grief. <laughs> your favorite. And also the unit director for Gamers. I have to say it really loud because it's an exclamation point. Oh, God. <laughs> I thought you were having to stay away from your screen. It's like when you sneeze and you've got to cover up your uh, your face. <laughs> um, you know what's funny? I actually did watch the very first Fate Grand Order movie that came out way back mm. when. And it, and it was okay. But the thing is, like, I think it's... If you're a Fate fan, you'll love it, and if you're just kind of whatever, then whatever. Uh, but it, I mean, it was fine. It had a section that might as well be guest uh, animated by Ray Harryhausen where they fight skeletons, <laughs> which I found funny. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> um, couple of seasons of Yu-Gi-Oh! Zexel 1 and 2 did a little production advancement for that. Um, not too much else, So, but this is the director of episode 10 of Death Parade. And 
So now let's talk about, uh, would you rather talk about the Seiyu for Desim or the Seiyu for Chiyuki? Uh, I feel like I recognize Desim's voice actor from somewhere. So, okay. and this is not to drag on Chiyuki's voice actress at all, but let's just, let's just give the, let's give Desim his due. All right. So... Desim is voiced by Tomoaki Maino, M-A-E-N-O. We got a role as I can't really pronounce that, in Street Fighter Cross Tekken. Horang. Horang, yes. Mr. Kickman. Yeah, he's a kicky boy, is Horang. I remember him from Tekken 3 when he was introduced. <laughs> Not to be confused with the other kick boy, which is of course Eddie Gordo, uh, who is uh, you know that's our second fighting reference because Eddie, of course, has Capoeira as his fighting hey. skill, which was the same as you know. Uh, why can I not? I've heard names off my memory, and we only talked about it last week. <laughs> the the law, the uh, the alpaca. We were you know. Uh, yeah. I can't remember. She's, her name she's she she she's all packering. Uh, you know, a, a a real mean fighting style. You know right. what I mean. Anyway, right. moving on, moving on. Kyo from King of Fighters, uh, fourteen and fifteen, which interesting. I guess they changed the voice actor for Kyo. I didn't. I hadn't realized that. Uh, still looking through the non-anime roles for for interesting stuff. Um, <laughs> in, in <laughs> I don't know why this makes me laugh. I don't know why it's it shouldn't make me laugh, but uh. He he dubbed over the Andrew Garfield Spider Man in those Amazing Spider Man movies. I'm <laughs> so sorry for it. I don't know why that makes me laugh, but it really does. What poor guy? Oh goodness me! Um, well, you gotta pay the bills somehow. Zhongli, Zhongli in uh, Genshin Impact, and Yuo in Xenoblade Chronicles Two. But let's look at the anime stuff. Um, let's see. Akatha imagine being a, has not. Imagine, by the way, uh-huh. just sorry, sorry, imagine, imagine being a seiyuu for a male character in Genshin Impacts. Who the, <laughs> who, who in their audience is going to give a fuck about that? <laughs> Christ alive. Anyway, <laughs> no, no please, comment. Please do, <laughs> please do, please do continue. Oh, Schubert in Classicaloid. Do you remember I told you about Classicaloid where it's sort of like a shonen-y mecha version of like, uh, <laughs> all these famous composers are reincarnated as, yes. as boys that live together in a big house. <laughs> <laughs> He's Schubert. Um, and of course we know Death Parade and Death Billiards. He's in the Dragon's Dogma anime, sadly. Uh, Kinro and Dr. Stone. That is, seems like a good role. Uh, he is, um, Sagamia in Fire Force. Have you, I've not watched Fire Force. Have you uh have you dipped into the Fire no. Force? No, because I found out very quickly it had some like sketchy fan service in it and wasn't so I've heard. it was more sh- and it was more a shonen thing and whatever you want to say about the fan service, I'm gonna be honest here, shonen stuff like MHA isn't my cup of tea. That's not a, a statement of quality or anything like that. It's just not my thing. Sure. So sure. Meh. 
Gotcha. I mean, the OP, the OP to the second season is a banger. I think it's Inferno, whatever it is. That's a mm. real, that's a real ball buster of a song. I love it. Uh, but I got nothing else to add to about that. I, I mean, that's you know, okay. there's fire that's and there's, okay. a, there's a force. <laughs> there's a force that I guess combats the fire. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, that's a title that explains this as a good anime title. Many anime titles are bad. That's a good anime title. Mm-hmm. Um. So he is uh, Makoto Shimada in Haikyuu. The lovely uh, volleyball boys show. Uh, Satsuki Myodun in uh, Myodoin. I don't doin? Myodoin in Heartcatch Precure, which is an amazing magical girl show. My favorite magical girl show. Um, he plays like a bit role in Kato the Right Answer, someone who's just in episode eight, which is funny to me. Good, good, good. The, the less <laughs> prominent, the better in that show. Uh, at Sushi and Library War. That's cool. Um, oh man, M3 the Dark Metal. This person has a lot of roles. There's there's a ton of roles. Some Gundam, Iron-Blooded Orphans. Uh, he's Kamich uh, Isuragi. We have... I'm, trying, I'm, so I'm going to scroll through faster to see if there's uh, anything of note. Um, lots of Star Mew. Shukoga. Tons of Star Mew. See, there's a lot of... Oh, Veldora in Reincarnated as the Slime. One, two, and three. Um, lots of Super Lovers, a show that I'm not sure I want to know about. Uh, and is uh, Fubutomi in uh, Yawapeda, Yawamushi Pedal, which is a cool, long-running bicycling anime. Oh, he's um, uh, Michelle Crispino in Yuri on Ice. So, oh, I wonder if we're going to reference Yuri on Ice at any point during the discussion of this particular blog <laughs> we, episode. We might do. I wonder if that might happen. We could Oh, do. my God. <laughs> How could we possibly link these things together? <laughs> uh, since we're talking about Sei, by the way, I want to give another shout-out to Keiji Fujiara, who plays the detective, because, of course, we are... Well, I say we're covering episode nine, but I'm going to spend barely any time talking about it, to be quite honest, uh, when we get to talking points. But I want to give Keiji Fujiwara a shout because <laughs> he's such a fucking goat of a voice actor, taken yeah, from us too young. Um, and when I say that, I don't mean to say like because of the work we never got from his more because he's too young an age to die regardless. Um, but he always puts a belting performance in whatever he does and he's still great as a detective even as he unravels and gets increasingly unhinged as episode uh, nine continues. But as I say, like I am going to probably spend very little time talking about episode nine. So I just felt oh. like I should at least get that shout out now. See, to me, that two-parter was like when I felt best about the series. I thought that was when it was the most, I don't know, it felt most interesting dealing with that mm-hmm. shit. Uh, and then the final three episodes, yeah, it's just not here to say they were bad. They just didn't grab me as much. So are we ready for uh, the final Patreon patron questions of Jethro the Third? This is, section is going to become... Just Discord questions. Uh, it, it is. Discord and perhaps Twitter, but definitely Discord. Indeed. And so, however, while our Patreon may be, you know, preserved, but otherwise offline forever, it may have been, you know, 
put away in storage, you know, all of our material's still there. You might be thinking to yourself at home, hey, I like the cut of Shaden's jib, and I like the cut of Doc's jib as well, so how do I support them financially? How do I send them actual real-world money for which they can buy goods and services? And, dear viewer, dear listener, do I have the answer for you? Uh, pop it over to Ko-Fi, that is Ko-Fi, K-O-F-I, uh, forward slash Warrior Desho, and you can just drop us a tip there. That supports us financially, and it keeps me... Well, I don't drink actual coffee, but I do drink coffee-flavoured beer, and that's close enough for it to count. So if you want to keep me in alcohol, then by all means pop on over there and give us a donation if you like our work and want to help us support us making more in the future. Yeah, uh, we would appreciate tips if you enjoy our stuff. We uh, much appreciate it if you were able. If you're not able, that is a-okay. Uh, enjoy our stuff uh, however you choose I always thought it was pronounced coffee. You know, I've never, I, I understand the Ko-Fi, but like since the mug of coffee is so, and they, it's like, buy me a coffee, you know. Is, I, I it, mean, is it buy me a coffee on coffee or buy me a coffee on Ko-Fi? Is it, how do you? I, I, I prefer Ko-Fi because it means that we can title like our promotional video as uh, Warrior Desh Show Ko-Fi Beats to Donate to Subscribe to. <laughs> yeah, okay. 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 <laughs> All right, I'm I'm into it. I've changed my stance. You've converted me to the GIF position when I was when I was a oh, the, the GIF the GIF position. Yes. I will never attempt to convert Swans to the GIF position. <laughs> You're uh, what do you take? What do you take for a proletariat? Kofi is the GIF uh, of pronunciations of Ao Fi. Oh my god! Well, it's got a dash in front of it, so that's my reason for doing it, as opposed yeah. to. The Jiff and Jiffing, which is just basically, you know, the pronunciation of proletarians use. Flies in the face of all grammar rules. Christ, um, I appreciate your argument. That's a, a reasoned and, and thought-out argument. Uh, you don't get many of those from me on this podcast, so treasure it. <laughs> anyway, anyway, right, to the Patreon questions, because of course we still have our wonderful Desho Legends, people who subscribe to us on Patreon, who are still in our Discord, who have chips in some uh, things to ask us we have two pretty fun questions firstly from rackham and the first one goes something like this lots of people including those who love the song have said the op for death parade doesn't fit the overall tone of the show yep that's a hard year on that one uh if you were to pick an existing song to replace it what do you feel would be Ooh. your top choice and why okay Ooh, okay went, oh man Ooh, this is really good I actually have two answers to this, um, and this is where I get to cheat a little bit, because I'm the person who edits this particular podcast, so of course I already picked intro and outro music for it that I felt was relatively appropriate to the material. So, my first answer, and it's partly just to piss off the actual art lead artist behind it, is to of course have the Smiths, Cemetery Gates. Mm-hmm. Fuck you, Morrissey. Okay. <laughs> just throwing that okay. one in there. Okay. Uh, and the alternative, just because the lyrics kind of semi-resemble what might be going on here, but also because it's a meme in its own right, and it's just amusing to me, uh, it would be, of course, Maria Takeuchi's Plastic Love. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Uh, that, well, that's a good song to put anywhere, anytime. So, of course, it fits this situation. Uh, I'm I'm going to go with the Dawson's Creek theme. <laughs> just, just because of the... That part. Oh my god! Uh, that reminds me of when that reminds me of when we were discussing Gundam War in the Pocket. And I suggested it should have had something like the Full House theme yeah. for the opening. 
so wrong. Still the wrongest thing. Um, yeah. oh, or, or maybe, or maybe, um, uh, life's a bitch by Nas. Like uh, life's a bitch, and then you die. That's why we get high, or no, that's why we puff law. Uh, because you never know when you're gonna go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that would be. I, I will. That would be darkly funny. <laughs> I, I mean, if you want another from me, I would also suggest a orchestral violin version of Every Day is Night by Garoud, which, mm-hmm. of course, is one of the songs from Valhalla, Santa Bar. There you go. Oh, right. There. Right. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Oh, that's ah. uh, that, the bartender song, the goofy one that we put at the beginning of that podcast would also work. That one always makes me giggle uh, mm. a lot. But uh, yeah, those are those are my picks. Uh, Nos, Life's a Bitch, and the Dawson's Creek theme. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> next question. Um, if you were to pick an existing character from anime or video games to be an arbiter, who do you believe would be the best choice for the job, and also the who would be the worst choice, and what would the theme of their bars be? Oh boy. Um, hmm. This is a tough one. This is this is this is a tough one. Um, Doc, you got any suggestions for hmm. best or worst? Well, well I know well, who my me, worst would be. So let me back up. Um, I don't. I I feel like Rackham actually wanted a serious answer out of me, not a comedic one. So the the most appropriate music I guess I can think of, like that springs to mind, is um, when the cast reaches uh, the end of time. In Chrono Trigger, um, oh. maybe you could do some kind of like a remixed, like modern, you know, chopped and screwed <laughs> beat or whatever of that song, and maybe throw some some hip hop lyrics in there. Maybe just make it instrumental. Uh, make that the opening. That'll be a lot more somber. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I think, uh, I think that something. I think while the opening is like tonally dissonant, I mean, I think that it's clear that they wanted it to be that way. They wanted to, there just wasn't a mistake, right? They were like, what sort of mission do we want to accomplish by like setting this kind of tone? I, I, I guess they just didn't want to be too morose with everything. And they wanted you to feel like, okay, while we're about to cover some dark subject matter, we're about to do it with this cast of, of goobers that, you've come to know and love and like they have their roles in the story. This is like uh th- this OP is almost like Omake that we talked about, but I, I can't remember if you and I've talked about this before or not, or as was on another podcast, but like these like extras that they would release uh, on a lot of times back in the day, they would come out on CDs. Shadon. I don't know if you Ooh. remember the compact disc format, but it'd be the anime characters having conversation uh, off camera you know what i mean and in the visual novel the house in fata morgana after you play it unlocks a mode like that where like outside the canon of the story it's like the characters chat with you and stuff like that and give you a behind the scenes tour as if like the story of the game was like a role they're playing in a play or a movie or something like that and mm. It's almost like this is that sort of thing happening right here with Death Parade where like, yes, like the story is like, like the canon of the story is very dark and, and everything like that. But these characters 
for this moment exist outside of it. And we want you to get attached to them and buy their merch and have a good time and get stickers and uh, Blu-rays and posters and everything and uh, enjoy them. Draw them, you know, Fair. sell, sell doujinshi at Kamiket. So, yeah. It's highly fair. And I think that that's fine. I mean, I, I actually find that like different kind of, I guess modality is the right word. That like is a really interesting storytelling technique. Uh, mm. IMO. But. I, I mean, one could also make the point that we've seen other shows where they have different OPs uh, depending on the material uh, in the in the episodes. Yep. I mean, yep, yep, I again, yep. I again cite the Persona Four anime as an example of this because. You know, when shit got serious in that story, did they have the happy OP play before that? No, they had basically what was a title card and they went straight into it so as not to sour the mood of the actual material at hand. Mm -hmm. And so my argument would therefore be if, you know, if you had the budget for it, maybe have the goofy OP over the goofier episodes like the Mayu ones, for example. Works perfectly for those um, for the most part and then have something a bit more serious for the other ones. John's answer, do that. throw money on trees. <laughs> Pay to license many songs. Pay people to animate I... many OPs. <laughs> I... Ideal will and all that. Oh, I'm, I mean, I'm just busting were... your balls. Yeah, that would be I know, ideal. I know. That would be ideal. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, so we'll in go an back ideal to world, In an ideal world, every show would use the opening song from... Uh, the first Attack on Titan OP. That would just be the OP for anime. Full stop. You I, use that song and you animate whatever you want to over it, but you just have to use that song forever in all uh, OPs. That'd be the ideal way to do it. I think that would actually just fast out be funny if it was in front of certain shows. Um. <laughs> it really would. <laughs> for like, the, like very gonna, like very serious like you know shows it would be just extremely have, funny just just have that as the opening to like one of the, ep- the episodes of the first season of fruits basket or something <laughs> incredible are you our goofy shows yeah i'm telling see see you're coming around this is a good idea i mean to- toru's like the, ep- the subject of the episode is toru like going on a knitting course or something like that and <laughs> And Q and uh, just so epic. You you, you get my point. Anyway, right. Let's continue on then. So Rackham's question, Rackham's second question that was was Mm -hmm. if you were to pick an existing character from anime or video games to be an arbiter, who do you believe would be the best choice for the job, and also who would the worst choice be? Okay, so and what would the theme of their bars be? Are we going with the criteria of you know the four rules? It's really three rules that become four that Oculus and Nona set out? Is that our the bar, and we decide who'd be good at that and who'd be bad at that? Or do we set our own criteria? I honestly have forgotten what the rules are because I just didn't care at that point. Uh, okay, uh, I can tell you. I can tell you. Time. An arbiter must judge. Can't quit judging because they're an arbiter. Uh, an arbiter cannot have emotions. Mm-hmm. Because they get too close to humans. Uh, I'm thinking of who this says. Go on, go on, uh-huh. carry on. And then an arbiter can't die. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the last one, because they're a dummy, 
uh, hurt, hurt. And the last one that gets added on at the very end is an arbiter can't work with life because then like they can't collaboratively work with a human to do stuff because then they'll be ruined. Right. Well, in that case, I have my best arbiter right off the bat that fits all four of those criteria to a T. Okay. And I say best, even though they are, in my opinion, a terrible person and a terrible character. I am, of course, referring to Hero Yui from Gundam Wing. <laughs> Just think about that for a moment. <laughs> think what does think he about say all the criteria. The way he knows how to live? I can't remember. I, oh, I don't like, either. Live through your emotions or whatever. I act on the only way to live a good life is to act on your emotions. Yeah, that's right. That's what it is. That yeah. fucking dumb. I mean, he, 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 won't, he won't die because he's a dummy. Yeah, you don't need to tell me twice on that. <laughs> he refuses to die. He tries, but he yeah. refuses. He just he, can't. He, can't, he can't collaborate with human beings. It all fits, I tell you. He is, he is the perfect arbiter because he literally will... To, like judge a person immediately and say like next time I'll see you I'll kill you. <laughs> so right. yeah, I think he right. would be. I think he would be the perfect arbiter. <laughs> you think in my he'd opinion. be good? Okay. Yeah, um. and as for what his bar would look like, <clears throat> I, I think it would. I think his bar would literally just be like the inside of a Soviet gulag. <laughs> it would just be the blandest thing ever, <laughs> like the inside of a canteen for there, like where it's just drab concrete walls, dripping water. Uh, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, uh, who would my worst choice be? Oh, cock. Well, I, I feel I feel like the easy answer here is Sailor Moon because you just let everyone go to heaven. <laughs> okay, yeah, all you're all reincarnated, uh, yes. And she's also not old enough to run a bar either, so I suppose that counts. But again, neither is Hero Yui. But then again, he's piloting a fucking Gundam, so I don't think I don't think like you know. He's a legal dummy. age requirement. Okay. Legal age requires count in Gundam Wing <laughs> yeah. versus in Sailor Moon. So mm-hmm. that that's my answer, I guess. Uh, yeah, Hero Yui's the best arbiter, quote unquote, and Sailor <laughs> Moon would be the worst. <laughs> there we go. Otoru from Fruits Basket, as we mentioned before. Well, I'll stick with the Gundam Wing. Uh, oh, no. And say the worst arbiter would be uh, Chang Wufei. Because he'd send all, he'd send all women to the void. Oh, just, he's fucking gone. <laughs> just, um, and that, you can't run a system that way. That is, um, you can't run a system that way. I mean, that's like a two, two, two in plain sight. The unfairness. Uh, oh God! It, the mainstream media would pick up idea. the story, and you have to have plausible deniability. So it would just not work. Yeah, I'm. I, I I agree with you there. I mean, all I'd ever want to happen it to Wufei, and if he ever like was in his own Death Braid spinoff, would just be to have like, um, what's the name of the red orange haired Arbiter dude again, whose name I keep forgetting. Ginty, the, the bored one. Ginty. Uh, oh, Ginty. Sorry. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I just want him to like leave like Wufei's head stuck between the elevator doors, and they're constantly closing on him. That's all he deserves. <laughs> let's be fair here. Yes. He's the new doorstop. His face. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's good. Uh, who would the who could the best be? Well, immediately some uh, um, Pin Pin from Evangelion popped in my head. And, oh! Uh, if you don't know Pin Pin, Pin Pin okay. is the uh, the penguin who lives in Masato's fridge, 
And of uh, course, yeah, he occasionally walks out, and uh, you know, he's he's uh, along with Misato. He got to to live through the Shinji as a small penis gag, the the iconic oh. one, uh, where you know he walks out of the shower, and Misato is there, and she has a big can of beer covering up his his genitals, and then. She moves it from the shot, and the tiny can of toothpicks is there still blocking his genitals to, you know, you know why. I don't have to explain the joke further. Thank God. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very funny. But yeah, Pen Pen is unfazed by things like that. You know, he can see, he's seen some shit, you know, and he is is unflappable. And he just goes, he's got his little towel, he drinks his beer, he goes and lives in the fridge. He's a cool customer. He could be detached. You know, he's not a human, so he's not entangled in all this human emotion, all this, like, existential, you know, angst and drama. Uh, he's, you know, he can make the decisions that need to be made with a cool head, totally rational. Give it to Pin Pin. Uh, I thought of Kepi also, but I couldn't decide if he'd be the worst or the best. <laughs> Oh, uh, oh, cripes. <laughs> I think that depends on what day it is, really. <laughs> yes, exactly. It, it, that's, that's, oh, that's dangerous. That's very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, we have one Wolfwood, final question. Wolfwood might oh, act be a real, an actual good one. Oh, yes, Nick you're D. right. Wolfwood, you know, he's, uh, oh, he's familiar with the whole judgment concept. Um, he's, he's also seen some shit, so I feel like he would like have a a grasp on the human condition but he's already dead so he's he's ready to be hired <laughs> yes exactly spoilers uh spoiler spoils for something that's over 25 years old i guess in fact it's approaching his 30th anniversary at this rate <laughs> uh, light from death notes let's go go Tom <laughs> he's already kind of doing that uh yeah on on this side of the life and death line uh he's assumed that role so <laughs> um also john c rackham uh expresses the sentiment that like of surprise that you have not seen gurn lagan and feels like that it's something you ought to do and i agree um he also says that c- oh. the c control is not that bad and i you know the me of 10 years ago vehemently disagrees with you. I haven't seen that show since it came out. So maybe we'll have to revisit it and find out. Maybe we'll just Great. have to do that. Great. I'm, I'm surprised you didn't start shoulder nudging the camera there. <laughs> oh dear. I mean, it'll end up turning out to be a C tier anime at this rate. Oh, oh, oh. The easiest joke. The easiest joke. GameStop, I choose right. you. Oh, Christ. Um, right, final question. Uh, this one is from GoGo Atomic Robot. And the question is, after all we have seen, are the Death Games a fair way to judge the moral character of a person? Well, this is where I might have a mildly controversial opinion, mm. but... Um, this is a good the question. Problem is, is that... The, the problem is it's difficult, I think, to answer this question because we don't ultimately know what their purpose is in the end. And you might say, well, they're meant to judge people to go for either heaven or hell, the void or reincarnation, whatever you want to call it. Um, but is that what they're really there for? And this is the lingering problem, the lingering musk of including, like, 
Oculus in the way that they have done, where he seems a bit suspect, and there's clearly some problems with the way this is all set up and all that. And like, okay, so is it is it working as intended? Is it as stated? Is it above board? For lack of a better phrase, Fox, if I know. That's shit on the coin room floor right there. Um, but, however, there's something I want to know. Uh, in um, episode 9, and I know I said I wasn't going to talk about it much, but this is no, actually the perfect okay. point for me to bring it up. Chuki, uh, like, uh, talks, like, basically starts yelling at Desim, like, this is wrong. Like, you can't be using these games to push people into these extreme situations. Uh, you're basically manufacturing the thing you're looking for. It's like, you know, the... Uh, it's like putting the effects before the cause, if you know what I mean. That kind of thing. Um, so, however, I have to make a mild disagreement over here, and here's, here's the reason why, and this is where I get a little controversial, because I actually think one could argue that they could be, um, depending on how you look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, if we just take them in a vacuum and not are not concerned with the overall reason why they're being done. And here's the reason why. Now, this is going to sound like a strange tangent, but when I think of intelligence as a concept, nebulous though it is, I think of it in two ways. I think of what the intelligence the intelligence one person can achieve and the intelligence per or has achieved and rather than the intelligence that they have the potential to reach. So you have some people who are working as hard as they can but have a theoretical limit. And then you have some people who um aren't working as hard as they could be and have a limit they have not yet reached. Which I don't think seems all that controversial. Uh but anyway, I'm bringing it up as an analogy because I think you can also um, use that to express how people behave in extreme situations. Right. Uh, what is the absolute like, like point of no return? Like the stopping point for when people, how people will hurt each other or harm each other or do wrong, um, you know, um, versus like what they have done in the past. Right. And so what we see with the kid, uh, whose name I forget in episode 9, is that, okay, yeah, he did kill a person, um, but Death Parade seems to have this curious, like, uh, mishmash idea on the on vigilante justice. Uh, it's nowhere near as well handled as Odd Taxi tackles it, in my opinion. Um, but the point being, though, is that, I mean, you know, he was put in an extreme situation and then, you know, killed this person because he was, um, you know wanting to seek revenge for his sister, which is a different thing than what happens at the end of the episode where he just inflicts unimaginable pain on the detective by shattering the uh, air hockey puck. I can't believe he did that. Represent that. Yeah. yeah. And the, the question one would then have to ask is, um, is that like, you know, him going to the limit of what he is capable of doing or even like further beyond where he's been before in terms of the evil he is capable of committing to another person? Because... If that's the case, I think, like, you know, if, if people, like, do have, you know, that capacity, but it isn't tested to see how far they can go when pushed, then I think that maybe that is a way of judging the moral character of a person, that, you know, when the chips are down, literally, depending on the game that you're playing in the Death Note, uh, sorry, the Death Parade bar, um, how far will you go? Is there a certain point in which you will say, no, no matter the circumstances, I can't hurt another human being just for its own sake or just for my personal well-being like you know there is a certain point in which i stop um i mean on the flip side of that we see what happens with chiyuki later when she is given the option to literally yep. kill another person mm-hmm. to bring herself back to life and she can't do it um which is a similar thing where she has her limit 
Whereas that kid, if he has a limit, it wasn't even re- it was either reached at the end of episode nine, or there's even darker depths to it that we don't see. Um, so I would argue that depending on how you look at it, you could say that they are a way of judging the moral character of a person because by putting people in extreme situations, you see if they do have like the iron will or the principles to not do the horrible things. Too. I mean, we talked about this before in the earlier episodes, like when they were playing the darts game, for example, and I said, well, you know what they could do if they were truly cooperating and not yelling at each other? Just throw the darts at the floor. Right, yeah. So what? Like, you know, they don't have to play the game. Sure. Oh, they don't have to play the game by those rules. So that's one way you could look at it. Um, But with all the ancillary shit around there, it's clearly being done as a way of, well, I don't know, trying to expediate it. But I don't think, like, that they're necessarily... I mean, if we say fair in the sense of, like, do they actually uh, measure what they're saying out to measure? I think so. But I would also not call them ethical in any way, shape, or form. Right. That's something I should be clear on as well. Uh, well, this is the afterlife. Ethics are, are out the window. Ethics are between living human beings. Um, oh, my. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess this just depends on uh, whether you kind of believe what Detective Tatsumi believes. Uh, but, well... Or I guess Chiyuki says uh, this actually, not Tatsumi. That um, you know, if you put a, any human being in extreme enough circumstances, then they will crack, right? That they're gonna go over the line and commit uh, violence or you know some kind of wrongdoing. You know, but they feel cornered that no one, mm. I guess Im- the implicit thing in that is that no one would do that if they didn't feel cornered in that way. And, uh, I mean, we know that's not true, that there are some people that do. And I, I guess like we could set those people to the side and be like, those people for the purposes of this exercise are bad and we can just say they're bad. But what about everyone else who who is, you know, cornered into it. And I mean, do you think that that's true? I mean, do you think like that there is, you know, that nobody has the capacity to, uh, that everyone will yield to temptation at some point? I think it depends on the the pressure that you're forced under. Um, I mean, I think of the kid, for example, like, you know, when he's just basically being taunted by the detective, like, mm-hmm that was definitely him being shown to be like not as noble as he otherwise would appear because there's no, there is as you rightly know it, there's no way he should have done what he did. The yeah, detective was just mocking so, him. But I mean, it, you're right. But like his circumstances were just so, I mean, like uh, unlike anything that you would ever almost ever encounter in real life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he, he was like this, uh, experiment designed to push him over the line and it really pushed his button it's almost like it's penalizing you for you know having people that you feel so strongly about that if you if something were done to them or they were taken away from you you would you know you would cross moral lines and Mm. 
you know, what you were saying before this is you think that there are some people that have the moral fiber to always resist. Um, and I, I think that I would agree. I think I have to agree in some ways, but like that, just that, you know, our lives are about shaping our moral character and that some of us can become better or worse. You know, some of us don't have a chance, but some of us can become better or or, or worse um, when we uh, face those circumstances. Because the alternative to me seems so, like, just wild and uh, nihilistic almost that, like, well... Uh, the only reason anyone is good is because they're never pushed. And if everyone is pushed, mm-hmm. they, they will always uh, do harm. They'll always steal, kill, and destroy. And the only reason that you're not doing it is because you're uh, a babe who's been protected. And that feels yucky to me right now. So I'm going to reject that notion <laughs> and I'm going to say that, 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 you know, there, there are people who could resist, but even, I think even having said that, I think Chiyuki has a good point about these, these death games. Like, I don't know if, if the idea of like judgment is really understanding someone to pass a judgment. I think that this is a, a bad way to do it. Because you're just understanding where their kind of line is. Like, what is their capacity for yes. to commit, like, bad things? You're not, like, understanding. Because, like, you could, I think you could have a person who, when some particular thing was threatened, would do something really horrible to another human, right? But... What if that person in life was incredibly generous and charitable and did lots of great things and like was a good person and everything, but just like had this very specific scenario where if you fucked with them a certain way, they would lose it. Like that's really hard. I mean, I, and I'm not, I don't know. This is why I didn't study ethics or become an ethicist. Oh gosh. <laughs> I, I mean, I do a hundred percent agree with you. Like I, when I'm referring to them being good tests of moral character, I, I must stress I'm referring it into a vacuum because the overall lesson of Death Parade is that there is nuance and complexity and beauty to life um, that is something that you need to really, quite literally, have your eyes open for to notice all around you. Um, that's a big part of the finale and also what happens with Decim as well when he kind of... Well, he literally has his eyes open. Uh, he finally, he finally does something that should have been done ages ago. Just move that mop of hair out of his face. Yeah, exactly. But I think comb your hair, you fool. <laughs> I think the show is saying that that it's bad. I mean, I think the show is saying that the the games are are not good, and that there's a better way to understand each other. If that's and. And so the system as constructed now is not really designed to achieve understanding, um, right? It's just to to test a very particular response. Uh, but I guess this the the show is like saying that understanding 
that particular fact about a person is not a way to understand them as a human being. And that's what we should be trying to do (laughs) rather than like, Mm -hmm. you know, judging them by this very horrible act. Um, Yep. So, and, and I think I agree with that. And so I'm going to say that the, the game is not good and there's a better way. I mean, live, yeah. Basically, uh, I mean, you just have I, to live uh, their entire life. <laughs> and then, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, I agree with you when you say the game is bad, but I mean, well, we could talk about Fortnite another day. We best move on. <laughs> okay. All right. Sorry. Sure. Couldn't, couldn't, res- couldn't resist. But yeah, um, I mean, I agree with you. De- uh, Death Parade's overall message to say is, is about, you know, I mean, there's literally a quantity versus uh, quality uh, point that's made in the final episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I will get to that soon enough. Um, but anyway, um, I think if we've got nothing else to add, um, that brings us to the end of the patron questions Yay. for Desho the Third forever. Um, so as we said on our second stream uh, finale for our taxi, to everyone who's given us both suggestions what to cover on Desho the Third and also questions for us to answer during Desho the Third, uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for your contributions in making these podcasts better by by your prompts, by the shows that you've given us to watch, to consider. Yeah. Um, thank you so much, Dan. Thank you, of course, to Rackham and Gogo Type Robot for providing the set questions we had today. Um, but now is the time that we get into talking points. And, well, uh, I have a few. I have, I, have, I have a few. But I'm going to let you have yours first, Doc, if you would be up for it. Um, let's see. Let's see. What do I want to say that we haven't touched on already? Um, I don't know. Uh, why don't you actually go first and then I will respond off of what you say and make my own points because... Yeah, I don't know. I don't have a ton of other notes beyond a lot of the things that we've already said. Okay, so I'm going to start with a smaller point, and I want to talk about uh, Chavot, or Chavo, the fairy tale book. Mm -hmm. And this is a small thing, but I think, generally speaking, when it comes to the use of fairy tales in fiction, be they real fairy tales, like, you know, your Jack in the Beanstalk and all that, uh, or even Aesop fables, things like that, or ones that are created entirely for the work itself, they're brand new creations, uh, but as told as fairy tales or fables within the fiction of the world. Uh, and this is the point where I also, by the way, I don't know if Chavots is actually a real fairy tale or not. Hmm. Uh, yeah, it's not actually, it's naturally relevant to the point I'm about to make, to be fair, though. Um, but I'm just going to clarify that now. I mean, to me, Ch- like the lead character's name is Chavo, and I just keep thinking that that's like some sort of like uh, Burberry wearing um, scumbag character from like uh, you know the northeast of England. <laughs> is is it like a fairy tale about about a, about a kid like you know who gets an asbo or something like that and learns the value of like you know treating other people normally? That's what it sounds like to me on the. But anyway, that's my English side coming out here. Isn't that uh, a, slant, also- like a like a bad word for someone? A chav. Oh, is that where you're mate, referring to? It, <laughs> g- g- just, just look that up someday. 
and and believe me, you'll, what, you'll see. It's that, what people call Chelsea fans sometimes. Well, I, I can't comment, but I will say that Chavs have existed for <laughs> most of my adult life, and you will never find a more dreary-looking, personality-free bunch of wankers in general um, than any other, really. But according, that's beside the point. According to Tandem.net, this is derogatory British slang for a young hooligan who normally starts fights and makes trouble. They're usually seen as lower class. Well, that's rude. <laughs> you could you could be a, a rabble rousing hooligan and and have money. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Urban, Diction- anything- Urban Dictionary says, "Stupid, annoying arses need to get a life. Think they're superior to the human race. Shag everything that moves. Hand always in their pants. <laughs> Must get pregnant." <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna stop reading. This is- Clearly that's, written, that's by, you look written by a biased person. <laughs> mm-hmm. But anyway, so back to Death Parade and Chavot. So the, the Chavot is revealed, of course, to be the, or we've seen before, is the fairy tale story of, you know, the kid who sees this girl outside, uh, goes to see her escape with her, but then falls down and is rescued, etc, etc. Now, I think I tend to find a little cliche and, and trite about fairy tales used in fiction, uh, in the text of fiction that is inside the diegesis of, of her work, is they tend to, in my opinion, be too often a one-to-one overlay between characters uh, in the fairy tale and characters in the actual story. And I think, oh, yeah, no, it's, it's too obvious. It's a bit... There's something a bit clunky about it. Mm. But I actually really like Chavot's implementation here for two reasons. The first of which is that it has actually a much simpler impact on Chiyuki rather than being... I mean, it does have a close relation to events in the show, which I'll get to in a bit. Um, but it actually has a much simpler impact on her in that it serves as the inspiration for her to start ice skating, which I thought was a really neat detail. Like, the you know, Chavo like, actually goes ice skating in, in the book and then she starts doing it as well. I'm like, that's neat. That makes sense. It feels like something that would happen with a kid who reads like a story they're really into. Like, I want to do that thing. And lo and behold, she does. She becomes a professional ice skater. So nice little bit there where it feels much more grounded and much more real. But then also, um, one of the things about uh, the boy in the story is that he is deaf. And he is, from the inside of a window, looking out to someone he really wants to be with and spend time with, but then falls into this hole. Um, Does that not sound entirely dissimilar to what happens to Chiyuki when she sees the simulacra of her mother in episode 12? No, Where she's yelling, Mm -hmm. yelling, like, Mom! Mom! Like, Mm -hmm. and... And then ultimately can't. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's where the parallel between it comes in. But it comes in in such a way where it's just at the last minute and isn't entirely one-to-one, where I'm like, this works. I like this. It doesn't feel like a clunky implementation of a fairy tale to make a really cheap point. Like, it feels like they actually put a little bit of thought into it. So, kudos to that. Like, that's that's my, like, little thesis on how you use fairy tales in stories in that you don't go for the obvious. You try and mix it up a little bit or make it less clunky. Doc is dying here. I have two things to say. <laughs> Are these about Asbos? No. no. <laughs> They're not. Uh, I, I do apologize if my, like, my ignorance in learning on the pod what, what that meant exactly offended anyone. It turns no, out that it's no, an offensive no. term. Um, 
my second <laughs> while you were talking, I just thought about this. Do you remember when Zero Two ate that fairy tale book? <laughs> It's like, what if Chiyuki just ate the chub? <laughs> I mean, I suppose what? I could... I, I mean, thinking back to Frank's, I suppose you are what you eat. That really happened. That That is not... I'm not making that up. She had a fairy tale oh, story but, that she loved as much as Chiyuki loved Shavo, and then she ate it. Mm. <laughs> and then we didn't get to... And then we didn't get to see the off-screen aftermath of that, where she had horrific indigestion. <laughs> That's what you get when you want to make a character quirky for no adequately explained reason. But that's a discussion for a different podcast that we've already done previously (laughs) and we're never doing again. See our circa 2018 work. (laughs) Was it? I mean, 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 it was really, really long and I'll sum up for you briefly. Uh, DICF was uh, WCF. Anyway. Uh, Right. Uh, so that's my point on Chava, anyway. Uh, do you have anything to add, Doc, or do you want me to continue with my talking points? No, I mean, I th- I, this was part of my viewing issue, is that, like, I thought there was a lot on, on Chavo at the beginning and at the end, and kind of fitting the pieces together in my brain wasn't, I don't know, super, super clean, but by a pre- in real time it wasn't, but your explanation makes a lot of sense. Like, I, I think I appreciate it more now, having heard that. But no, continue forward. I, I will actually have one other thing, which is I still don't get how Chavot appeared to be like the uh, the layout for like that panel uh, for the game. That was a bit of a clunky coincidence, but whatever. I, it doesn't really matter. Right. So back to the point at hand. Um, let's talk. Do I want to? You know what? I'm going to give my spicy thought now. Oh, yeah. I'm get okay. my spicy All thought right. out of the way. I'm ready for the Because spice. I don't want I, I don't want to end the um, <clears throat> discussion of... I don't want the discussion of Death Braid on the like negative element, or when I say negative, uh, as in the show was being negative about this, not that I didn't like it necessarily, even if it is quite dark. Uh, I want to end it on the high note where I talk about episode 11 and how amazing it is. Uh, but, but, um, let's talk about what happens to Mayu and Harada. Okay. So, context, um... Mayu is still loitering around in uh, Ginty Jinty's bar. Uh, why? Not a fucking clue. Couldn't tell you. Never explained. And in my opinion, actually makes Chiyuki's own like presence like feel less special, which I think is a bad thing that's, for the yeah, show. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting, right? Because th- there are some stuff here where I could see if you were feeling particularly pedantic watching the show, that you'd be super frustrated because you'd be like outline the freaking rules here for regular humans staying in this world at the bars like it's very ill-defined and it you know it didn't upset me especially at the end when i was like oh they're doing these parallels or whatever um but you know i i could see being i could see being annoyed at it and especially if you're like shadon and didn't like the characters mm, it's true yeah, I was I was just like, she's still there without any real explanation, which I thought, well, that dilutes Chiyuki's presence here, but whatever, that's not my actual spicy point here. I need to give more context. So, inexplicably, I don't know also know why this is that happens either. Harada's dummy, lifeless, soulless dummy, is still in the bar. Mm-hmm. Why? Is I don't know I don't if it's know. still there or it reappeared. I'm unclear on that. 
Uh, no clue. It's we're not given any real yeah. explanation that I can recall. Because, so um, if, and, if I recall, like she's like, "Why is he here?" Which, like, if he never left, it didn't seem like she would ask that question. But like, but who knows? Who can say? Yeah, and and I mean, by the mechanics of the show, like the dummies only have the appearances they do when the souls are in them. But his soul is not in him right. right now. So why does he look like? That? Like none of this makes any fucking sense. It's really, really poorly explained and set up. Uh, because arguably the moment they were done at the end of episode seven or what, six or whatever it was, like he should have been, he was getting sent to the void. Off you go. End of that. Um, but none of that, again, is my spicy take. That's just me pointing out like the context and also the in- inconsistencies of it. Mm-hmm. So what happens is that Jinty basically says like, if you take the dummy in the elevator to, you know, hell, uh, you know, take it down to the void um you can find his soul but you will lose yours in turn and you will join with him at the moment of oblivion basically uh there's no coming back from that you will not survive it uh you'll be stuck in basically eternal like agony the deepest most negative parts of your emotions and so on and so forth and uh mayu basically says something to the effect of harada is my life um Mm -hmm. or something like that and in the end she goes through with it and we get the scene where Harada's soul very briefly, in the most thinnest of shots, reappears inside his body. And then when the dummies like mm-hmm. lose the souls and they are obliterated into the void with what I suppose is meant to be a really sensible moment of two of them, little motes of light joining together. And I'm yeah. like, whatever. <laughs> uh, you know, they are holding hands. Yes. At the, the dummies are holding hands at the end. And... I want to criticize... I'm going to get my criticism out of the way before I get to my spicy take. Okay. Um, I really hate how it's her doing all the emotional heavy lifting here, and he has no involvement. It does in it really, you know. I was thinking about it's, that. It really did seem like this is what she wanted, and we don't really know if it's what he wants. Well, I can tell you, it isn't what he would have wanted <laughs> because what was his sentiment at the end of episode six? I don't want another girl to give her life for me. That was what he was right. saying when she was hanging off the edge of that of that twister well, pillar. Technically, and she so, was already dead. So she wasn't giving up her life. She was soul giving was up obliterated. her destiny. <laughs> That's different from your uh, living, breathing, you know. Oh, semantics, wow. semantics, you know. Uh, Are you really alive in the afterlife? Well, she definitely ain't coming back anymore, that's for <laughs> no. sure. That soul's, that soul's been ground up into so much dust They're and just, turned into be- like, stuff that people put on. two corns that fused into a single corn. They are corn together wow. forever, falling. <laughs> what a, a, ter- a truly terrible fate! <laughs> and um, then they become. So yeah, I thought does, she becomes like a wooden statue. Well, I don't know if she is the wooden statue, but he makes a statue of her. Those little like. Oh yeah, he he carves he carves one of those little like Matryoshka looking dolls, yeah. uh, and the implication is he, like there's there's a couple more of those. She really uh, got me, man. Those things she said in the elevator so, they really got to me. <laughs> So the implication is that Jinty has like had people hang around before yeah, yeah. with him, mm-hmm. uh, which I don't care. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know any of these people. I don't even really know him as a character. Like he's so disillusioned with everything. I I know you might want to say that maybe, as you rightly point out, she had an impact on him. But maybe I I, I don't know. It just felt so thin. But again, no. This is the spicy take. Okay. I've got my, I mean, I've got my criticism out of the way about the fact that Harada has no involvement in this, which sucks, and I hate it. Um, he doesn't get to, like, you know, give a shit about her until the very last second, which, well, whatever. Token gesture, though it may be. At the but end of the episode spice- that they were in, he seemed like, you're cool. 
you don't have any makeup on. Like, you're my type. Uh, we're now officially, we're good. I like you a lot. You don't look like a tart anymore. Great. <laughs> nice one, Harada. Um, real good there. I mean, my criticisms from episode mm-hmm. six are still stand. Um, but anyway, my spicy take is that Death Parade, by virtue of what happens to Bayou, is telling the audience that people who live their lives devoted to another person like she does are not worthy of spiritual absolution and salvation. That a life well lived is a life lived in, you know, in service to oneself, you know, like in the sense of like, you know, that you don't fully devote it to someone else. Because all it ends up with is her following him into hell when she did nothing wrong in her actual real life. Like, she had no real crimes to speak of. She only even died because she slipped in the shower. <laughs> so I find that really interesting to think about. And I don't think that was the intention because I think the intention of the of the scene with her was like, oh, we, don't you feel sad? Like, you know, that these two finally found each other after all this time. And like, well, one, we had this done better in episode three with the plastic surgeon surgery girl. Right. You hated that. So that though. was done better there. No, I, I, I hated the I hated the idea of like her being like a you know, having gone through what she did to stalk him. Mm-hmm. But I didn't mind the idea of like one last uh, you know, hurrah, like, you know, one final moment before they pass on into the afterlife, uh, as re- reincarnated, which will tie into my point about episode eleven, funnily enough, because it's a similar sort of thing. Um I don't think, as I say, the intention of that message was like part of the show uh but i can't help but think like what is my takeaway from this when you know she is ultimately her soul is obliterated into dust for a person who as the show shows us in that episode had no like involvement in her like life whatsoever like it was as parasocial as it ever was believe it or not um and in the end like it just led her to a bad end and i thought well that's what's the takeaway from that like it's it's gotta be that People who live their lives obsessing with someone else in that kind of way are only due for a bad end. Granted, that also doesn't kind of mesh with what happens in episode three, of course, because we had that exact same thing and that all works out just fine. Uh, But yeah, like, I just couldn't help but think, wow, that's kind of dark when you think about it. Um, So I did not read this that way at all. Um, (laughs) Well, that doesn't surprise me. Not because I think, not because I, not not because I don't, not because I have anything about you, of course, but I just, I just thought that was, of course, what he's going to (laughs) say. So, like, I think what she says to Genty in the elevator, you know, matters a lot. Like, she, she's choosing this. This is not something that's being forced upon her. You know, Genty is telling her, which, by the way, I thought Harada got reincarnated. I, or am I missing the boat on that? I I thought at the end of his episode or the next episode, he went in the reincarnation elevator. Um, I don't. I don't want to check that, it like out last... because I don't want to use up any CPU power <laughs> on this machine to look at it. But um, oh, oh, brain power. Right, well, <laughs> no, no, I, I'm curious. I, I'm I curious mean... about it. But like, whatever the case, right? Like he he's here, and you know, Genty's like, well, his soul is going to be. I don't want to use the term hell, right, and say damned because that's not, like they say, that's not exactly right. But, like, he's going to be cast into the void um, all alone uh, around, like, negative energy forever. And instead of being reincarnated or instead of, like, continuing to hang out there, she chooses 
to, you know, go be with him and be united with him in the void. That's the thing that she would prefer most of all. And I mean, who are we to say whether that's good or bad? And she says, you know, Ginty's like, uh, you know, like this seems dumb. And she's like, well, the fact that I chose it is what makes it meaningful. Um, you don't even like have anything to say about why you do what you do. You know, you didn't, you didn't choose it. There doesn't seem to be a reason. And, you know, I, I think she says a really interesting line like that. I can't, you know, I can't determine on my own whether or not my life has meaning, but I do know that like making this choice feels meaningful. And so there you go. Like I'm doing something meaningful and defining my own life. And that's a good thing. And so it may not be what we would have chosen, you know, but like it's her, it's her eternal soul, you know, and, uh, and she got to do this thing and it was very, and it was self-sacrificial too, which I mean, is like, you know, if you're really devoted to someone and we can have a different discussion, analyzing the health and nature of their relationship or whatever, but you know, she would, would like sacrifice whatever other kind of fate she could have had so that he didn't have to be alone, uh, in the void. And I think that that's, um, laudable and good. And she might not have even fully understood what she was doing, but like, you know, like Hiro Yoish says, the only way to live a good life is to act on your emotions. And she did it. I can't, I, I can't believe you're ending your impassioned, just, uh, you know, alters and take that by quoting fa- famous anime philosopher. Right, I am, movie. yes. Jesus the great ethicist Christ. of our time. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I I would agree with you were it not for the fact that the what happens with the void is my understanding was the soul is dissipated and crushed into dust. It ceases to be at that point. Uh, I think they and say also you they fall mention- forever. You have a sensation of yeah. falling forever, surrounded by um, negativity, your own negative feelings. But perhaps if two souls are joined together, then there's relief from your own negativity because what if you're the negative energies and feelings are the result of you being alone disconnected and isolated this is all a bunch of what ifs but the show invites that because the show gives no concrete answers on so much of this stuff so i don't feel bad for speculating unfortunately yeah you're right it does not offer concrete answers when they otherwise should be there but i mean I admit as well, you are entirely right in what you said before, that part of this is as much my own disinterest in those two characters, my dislike for them. I admit my bias here, um, but I just can't help but think in a similar way as I thought with, like, the outcome and Odd Taxi with Amai. You remember his, uh, you know, thing with, like, Rui and, like, how he was still going to, like, go see her in prison yes. afterwards? I thought, uh-huh. is this... Is there any way, like, we could categorize this as a good thing? And, you know this is what? an interesting I'll- discussion. And you know what? I would also like to make the point that I think that my feelings on this would have been completely U-turned if Harada had actually fucking been involved in this in any way. This It's so one-sided that there's something really, a, really um, to- almost toxic about this it. This is a really good argument. I, I I totally agree with you. I mean, this 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 part of it 
this other side of it is is really difficult to reconcile because it really does seem yeah. like like I said, like she totally gets what she wants, but like Does he want that? Does he want to spend I, I have this no time idea with her? If like I mean I'm sure when the rubber meets the road, you prefer it to being being alone in the void. But I don't know. It seems weird, like you said, that he has no kind of agency in this. I, I can't help but wonder if this is that vein of misogyny I was talking about previously. Um, where there's there's some curious ways in which the show treats a lot of its women, um, hmm. except Chiyuki, Thankfully, she is she, like her story is pretty much bang on what it needs to be. But yeah, I don't know that. I mean, like I said, we are is about as parasocial as it was previously, which is very strange to me, and by virtue also of it not explaining the rules in any concrete way, there's nothing there for, in my view, for Harada not to have popped back into his body for round two. You know, we have another death game of some sort. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but, like, the reason he's not there, um, I don't understand, like, from a writing perspective, unless it is simply to make judgment on Mayu's actions solely. Uh, and this is the point where I get to play the, you know, well, actually, I'm not just talking about how badly women are treated because, you know, shouldn't Harada have a say in this as well? Mm-hmm. Like, where's it? Where's his opinion in this? You know, <laughs> that's that's that should be a meaningful part of this discussion. Yeah. But I mean, the whole Mayu thing, like from start <laughs> to finish, to me feels like that vestigial element of the show that just. Like, okay, we got 12 episodes and we've got to fill out time, so fuck it, we'll invent another character who'll stick around for the a bit. The appendix of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Easily be excised. That is one of the best... That is one of the best labels I've ever heard for this kind of thing, and I may very well make it a recurring gag. Like, if we ever get to, like, the end of a show, like, and it's got all this sort of, like, random shit in it, I'll just say, so who, who in your opinion, Doc, was the appendix of this show? Yes. I think you might have invented yes. something there. <laughs> Incredible. And who, who's the who's the spare kidney? <laughs> it's going to hurt losing, but you could give up and you could live without it. <laughs> Not mm-hmm. as bad as the appendix, but still you could lose. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Just, cripes. Uh, well, if we're going to talk about the beating heart and the soul of the show and such, like, why not bring in other internal organs who are neglected in these metaphors? Oh. Yeah. Who is the left testicle of the show? <laughs> Ginty. Easily. Um I, I mean, I, I I you know what? I'm not even gonna disagree. <laughs> oh god. Uh, I so I think I mean I was gonna try to make an argument that like Mayu here is a, a kind of different iteration of the empathy that Chiyuki shows in her story. But like, mm. the, I mean, this, this thing that you have introduced, you know, Harada's side of the, the love and the relationship really does seem to throw a monkey wrench into this. I mean, I can't like, unless you as, like are assuming that the end of his episode, like, they become a thing and they're into each other and all that. But like, I don't know if there's enough there for me to like, just assume that's the case. 
There's nothing there. We skip from we skip from the end of episode six to this point where apparently his soul has gone to the void, but he's still somehow inexplicably here, mm-hmm. and the dummy is there. And why is it there? I ain't got a fucking clue. Is this all just a mean trick that Ginty's playing on her? I don't know. I've one point past uh, him to be honest. Yeah. So I don't know if I want to say that now. Uh, that that she's another meant to be another instance of empathy because because of that i mean it just it is a very weird term well to 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 throw your bone here maybe that's what they intended sure. the writers that yeah. is but ultimately did not effectively communicate it's very it's very selfless and everything but but it's the kind of selflessness that is like you said i mean i, th- I don't know if you could say one-sided selfishness selflessness is the same thing as empathy because it's like I don't know if it's like predicated on her understanding him or her thinking about him I mean she's thinking about him but is she thinking about him in the same way Chiyuki's thinking about like I I can't take away someone's life because they have other people they love they deserve to live they deserve a shot at life to like be cherished by other people or is she just like thinking about him as like an object she can have Mayu to Harada. And that seems very well, different. Well, she never, she never learns like what he actually did. Like she has ideas from what the gossip rags say mm-hmm. from what I recall from episode six, but that's it. And that's not the same as knowing someone in person. Like even if like there's a difference between having a gossip rag say this person is like you know a lecherous like you know harlot or whatever, and having that person then admit that to you and then offer them like you know their feelings and thoughts on that. Yeah. Even if ultimately she gets that confirmed word for word as what that rag says, there is a perspective to be offered from that that is valuable and meaningful. But none of that's there. Harada is as much the crash test dummy in this story as he is, mm. like in terms of like his utility mm-hmm. and his agency, as he appears in the final episode that they are both in. Um, and it's really dumb, and I don't like it because <laughs> as much as I want to make this spicy take, I again am not of the opinion that was the intent. Right. But that's the only thing I can walk away with from this, unless my the entire point was, well. Sometimes people make stupid mistakes. Like, well, that's just great. What a what a complex moral message from this show. <laughs> truly, truly, the work of fucking Aristotle right here. <laughs> Holy shit! Oh, uh, I do stand by my point that like it's it's doing this thing of you know that making your own choices to define your life is meaningful. Um. And they're not meaningful because they, uh, like, adhere to any uh, standard outside of yourself. I think we talked about this a lot in Vinland Saga, right? But that they, mm-hmm. that being self-directed based on your own internal criteria um, can be, is meaningful to you because it's meaningful to you. Or is meaningful... Because it's meaningful to you. Meaningfulness is not something that's measured by standards outside of your your own self. Um, and kind of figuring that out and deciding that to be true is like a lesson that a lot of anime, um, kind of a, a theme that a lot of anime emphasize. And I think that's like what they were going for here. 
But like there's that oh, this is just a lot of other stuff in it that like it's tough to, <laughs> tough I, to make sense I, I, of I mean, and reconcile, I guess. I mean, in the end, if it turned out to be a retelling of what happens to Sayaka in Madoka Magica, then well, A for effort, I guess. It just wasn't quite as effective as it was there. You remember what happened to her? She she made a wish for someone uh-huh. else, but in reality it was for herself. Right. And it condemned her yeah, yeah. and resulted in her soul being obliterated. Sure. Sure. I wonder how these things might overlap. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Right, right, sure. Um But it's just not presented in that way. I mean, I understand you're you're oh. taking away that from it, but it's it's not presented in a way that leads me to believe that the show is like, haha, she got hers. You know, it's more like, you know, bittersweet. Like, you know, she is going into the void, but like she gets to do it on her terms and gets to be with the person she cares about. That's more than most people down there get. <laughs> and he gets no say in the message. Yes. He must go along with it. She's she's oh, a sweet girl. Dear. Mayu. But anyway. I, I mean, compa- I mean, compared to the other characters, like she is pretty, like I mean, she commit. I'd say her her crimes are being, I don't know, naive. Yeah. That's really about it. But anyway, uh, so yeah, that's my spicy take. Thank you for the spice. <laughs> for whatever it's worth. Oh, <laughs> uh, um, right. Do you have anything else to add? I'm gonna, if not, I'm gonna move on to talk about episode eleven um, and the glorious, glorious stuff that happens in at that. the end of episode ten. I have the word beard in all caps. <laughs> you know, be- Oh, you're talking about <laughs> Oculus's like evil mind reading flower beard. Yes. yes, I am. Because that's very strange and I like it a lot. Also, here's my Oculus impression. Are you ready? I've got an Oculus impression. Try me. That's it. That's the Oculus impression. That's also about as much as he contributes to the show, really. I think that's a shot at the uh, end of episode 12. <laughs> it's it's the one on the uh, thumbnail for the Funimation uh, <laughs> episode entry. Um, Perfect. You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll make a quick, like, side intermission note here about Oculus. And I'm just... Riften. Like, he has, like, ideas about, like, you know, how Arbus operating. He's, he's presented... The, sh- the show presents him in a sinister way. Like, he is the villain. I mean, the way he's shot is ominous, the way he talks is ominous. You know, he is, by all accounts of the presentation, a bad person. But that's it. That's all we learn. Like, I I mentioned, like, way back when, like, I wondered if the show would reveal, like, you know, that there was some sort of elder god running the thing, and it was just basically sending all the souls, regardless of whether or not they were reincarnated, or sent to the void to the... Like, if it was actually tricking them and they all went to the same place. And... For whatever it's worth about, like, you know, the value of that revelation, at least that would have been a revelation, as opposed to this, like, boneless fucking, you know, introduction of him as a villain. Um, so, I, I'm, I'm just utterly confused as to his conclusion, why he's there. And again, this speaks to me to the lack of focus the show had, where, oh, we've got 12 episodes now, let's go a bit wild here. Like, no, you need to have restraint. You need to have a plan. You know, I mean, we only just finished our taxi the other week, and that had a, one more episode than Death Parade, I will admit. But you know what that also had? God. It had a really defined, 
like you know structure tight objective tight. yeah it was tight yeah it was rock solid mm-hmm. it was a perfectly formed lattice yes and this is just like we're just gonna throw in all sorts of random crap and tight. here's a really good idea oh boy we gotta this is a tiny good idea we have to put it in a really big container and use up the so it's it out. Oh, here's a couple, a couple more good ideas. Put in fill, like, just fill it in with whatever. Um, that's a really harsh characterization of the show because, like, I mean, there's like a lot of stuff here that I like, and there's a lot of elements that I enjoy. But yeah, I came away from it pretty cold, uh, as as you yeah. know by now. So, so Oculus, I don't know. Maybe I mean I think it speaks to the idea that maybe if they'd actually had more time, ironically enough, that they might have fleshed him out into an actual villain. Uh, but I, I mean, you work with what you've mm-hmm. got, and they should know that better than most, given that the creators of this show made Death Billiards and proved in that single twenty-four minute, like you know, pilot, the potential value of a full-blown series, and then well. They did a B minus in the end because some of the episodes were really good and some of them were just utter waste of time and waste of concepts. I'm still salty about the fact they never did the I've been reincarnated yeah, twice right? thing. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do, that, that I, you t- could maybe argue that um, you, you, fan theory, the two people that came in at the end were Chiyuki and the murder kid reincarnated because that girl looks oh. like Chiyuki, but with orange hair. <laughs> no. Character design is the same. <laughs> I mean, I'd also find that a bit sour given yeah. that she's literally just she- reincarnated. <laughs> well, I mean, look, what is, well, the- what is time in eternity? You know, could, could pass in an instant. We're all did, did she get lost? Did, did, she, did, she, did she get lost and visit the hairdressers in like Quindessim? I mean, you know, you're telling me there's not... I mean, we find out apparently that there's a laundrette because Mayu gets her clothes washed at some point. You know, they were completely ruined after she peed herself and she turned into a kimono. <laughs> so they have, they have... They they clearly have a place where you can get clothing from, but they must also have a place where you can do your laundry in this afterlife. I suppose. Ghost laundry! <laughs> Ghost laundry. <laughs> because what... Because why not? I mean, you know, when you want your sheets to be white and translucent, what else do you think of than ghosts? Uh, do you anyway, what anyway. Zero Two did with all the laundry? <laughs> do you remember that time? <laughs> Was it? Wasn't she like on the roof? And didn't she like? Why are you throw? doing? Are you, are you playing? Are you playing a death game with me where you're trying to force me to do like the worst this possible is part thing? Of your judgment. Are you testing this my is character? Part of your judgment. Oh. <laughs> uh. I apologize. <sighs> right, let me let's let's move away from the anime of yesteryear, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the things that we otherwise would, wish we could yeah, forget. Let's move on from Oculus because, because I just yeah I have nothing, it just such a nothing burger of a of a concept and a yeah. character. Complete waste of time. Right. Okay, I'm gonna get. Uh, there's a lot to talk about with episode. Someone 11, is probably so gonna like be- tweet us like six months from now or leave a YouTube comment like. Well, actually, Oculus, if you know anything about Japanese mythology, he is the, like, and and that's all very fair and valid, like, and it leads to better understanding of the show. It's just like, if you don't know it, I mean, 
and the show doesn't give you any clue about it, what are you supposed to do? I mean, if the show wants to market itself as a Wikipedia page, it might as well have actually <laughs> put itself out there as such, rather than a you know a story that's meant to have like you know meaning, rather than being like buried in some of the some esoteric nonsense. But anyway, anyway, hypothetical uh, future comments aside. <laughs> Let's talk about episode 11 and let's talk about all the good things. There's going to be a lot to discuss here, but also this is where I must again bring in the content warning of discussion of suicide. Um, So feel free to end the podcast now if if you're not for this discussion, because we are going to be talking about what happens to Chiyuki. Uh, Right. Three, two, one, go. All right. So Chiyuki. Well, we first out find, we find her name out in episode 10 uh, when she starts getting her memories back. And in the end, we find out um, that what happened to Chiyuki is that she grew up and became a professional ice skater. She became, I mean, maybe she trained under, you know, uh, Yuri Plisetsky. I'm not entirely <laughs> sure. There's your Yuri on ice <laughs> reference. Told you I was going to get one in. Very good. Who can say? <laughs> Who can say? But, but she became a professional ice skater. Um, she was inspired by the Chavot book to take up ice skating. We see in detail, like, you know, her from a young age, learning the ropes, Becoming the professional skater, she is winning awards, you know, performing really well, but also making friends, making connections, networking, all that sort of stuff, building a rich life and a rich, like, you know, group of people around her in the way that a passion can do. And I know this from first-hand experience, not because I've been ice skating. My dalliances of ice skating have ended usually horizontally, as in <laughs> flat on my yeah, face. Yeah, I had a very bad experience, <laughs> ice skating experience, and that, that was enough for me. Hmm. But what I do mean by that is I, of course, have met a ton of people through the fighting game community. Uh, This podcast, as I've said many times, this podcast is a direct consequence of that, of all things. So I can attest to what happened, like to similar things, what happens in Chiyuki's history here and her backstory. And I want to note as well, the show makes, like the show putting emphasis on the fact that it's not just her professional accomplishments as an ice skater or that it's her passion, but also that she has met people and formed relationships is actually really important for what I'm going to be talking about soon. But, however, um, there's an accident. She has an accident on the rink. She injures herself. The specifics are not really important, but what we do learn is that she will never skate again. That's it. It's all over. Like that, done. Her entire life has just been ripped out from under her. There is a period of time in which she does, you know, try to continue. You know, she has a discussion with her mother and her mother's like saying she's very proud of her. And this is where you mentioned like, you know, about how I never came to know the people. For which I actually think there is an explanation for that. But I'll get to that in a bit. But in the end, uh, the fact that she is no longer able to skate, that her life has been ripped out from underneath her and she basically has that's all been stolen away from her, is too much for her to bear. And so she takes her own life. So that's how she ended up in Quindessen. Now this leads into, this is all actually done, by the way, in a wonderful scene where we see her actually ice skating in Quindessen in her professional outfit. And like as she skates, like these flashbacks are we woven into it. So like we see her doing like jumps and leaps and such. Uh, I don't know the technical term for these quads, whatever you are call them. Um, and then in the end, when the knee actually, when her, her knee breaks in real in the flashback, is when it breaks uh, for her as a dummy. I'll note as well, by the way, and I can't recall if this was on the top of her wrist or the underside here, 
But you recall that that started peeling away? Mm-hmm. Well, that's where she cut herself. Yep. So I, I really, I mean, I don't like the fact that she cut herself, but I like the fact that the, the her soul like is literally being worn off the dummy through memory of the actual injuries that, well, one that took her life, and then another that, and I'm not saying this to be repetitive, took her life, if you follow my meaning. Right, yeah. Yeah. Which I think is really, which is a really, really neat detail. Um, so I'm going to get into what happens into episode 12 in a bit, but I want to talk about a couple of things first. And this is the point where I'm going to, we're going to have a hard discussion here, Doc, which is, do you think she was, do you think the people in her situation or people who've been like, who have lost so much like she has, like, do you think it's not unreasonable that they'd want to do what they did? Because I'll tell you this, I will tell you this for free. Mm-hmm. As someone who has been through suicidal ideation, who has been through therapy, like, I would never want someone to take their own life. I would always argue that we can at least keep trying, you know, to give, to help them through a difficult situation, to give their world, you know, value and meaning and warmth and love. But if I were in her shoes, I really don't think I would have done any differently than her. I think I've done the exact same thing. Because it's just so much of her life has been ripped out from her. And it's not just that. Because even though the show doesn't show this, I had this thing pop into my head where I imagined, like, post-injury in recovery phase, you can see her friends. And this is why, mm-hmm. like, her having met these people ice games in porn. Like, my said, hey, do you want to come watch us at the rink and all right. that? Trying to be helpful mm-hmm. as, uh, you know, good intention. So she goes there, and maybe she's walking with a cane. Maybe she's on crutches because she's still in recovery. Or maybe she's got none of those, but just has a slight limp. Mm-hmm. Whatever you want to call it. But that injury is there. It's present. And she sits down outside the rink and watches them and she can't go and join them. She's in a different world now. She will only ever observe, just like Chavo. Right. right. Yep. So I, I cannot blame her for doing what she did, and I cannot even begin to pretend that I would have the, you know, the inner strength to have done differently, hmm. to be quite honest. And this then leads into the, the big question, which is I'm a believer in euthanasia. Um hmm. now People are going to say, well, euthanasia is for people who are like, you know, have Loxin syndrome, for example. People who are like more physically incapable than Chuki was because she can still walk, she can still talk and all that, that kind of thing. But one would then argue like, if I believe in that, but I don't believe in people killing themselves, uh, you know, committing suicide, what's the dividing line here? Because I can't help but think to myself, like, I don't blame her for doing what she did, even though it's an absolute tragedy. And, you know, we should do all we can to help her. But I just, like, I felt it was just so painful, like, what happened to her. Like, and how it's just completely, like, destroyed her life. Like, her passion and her connection to her friends is gone. This, by the way, is why she says, mm-hmm. like, I can't understand over humans anymore. Because that was the lens and the or the common ground through which she networked with these people. Sure. And I'm not, and yeah, and I'm not saying, of course, like you know that with that gone that they didn't have a connection, but like it's monumentally difficult, I think, when that thing is gone from you. Well, I think you know your reaction to uh, her suicide is a starting point. I mean, you said it's a terrible tragedy, uh, versus like if someone who uh, was very, very elderly and. Uh, had a terminal illness or someone who was in a, an accident who could only live the rest of their life in a vegetative state. I mean, we would see the ending of, of uh, their lives at their request as a good thing. Like, okay, they're at peace. You know, they're not in pain anymore. And that's because like they're 
the ability for uh, those folks to have a high quality of life to really to fully live and experience like, you know, love and passion, companionship, all these other things that are rolled into what life is, is either gone or diminished to such a degree that it might as well be. And in Chiyuki's case, it's not. In Chiyuki's case, she's, uh, and I don't, I don't condemn her either. I'm not like judging her. And I think it's really important that the show doesn't judge her either. The show is not like, well, you took your own life, so get your ass in the void. Um, nothing like that. Um, and so, but I think it's, we view it as a tragedy because she has so much more of her life ahead of her. I mean, the amount of time that she devoted to ice skating and the community she created through it and everything like that, she has like five to six times that period of life left where she could cultivate new passions, discover new people, Uh become uh, a new and different person or, or cultivate new aspects of her personality and, you know, everything like that. It may, it seems like everything is, has ended for her. Uh, but she has so much life ahead of her and so much of an opportunity to lead a fulfilling life that we view her ending it as a tragedy. And and again, I, I think the show does too, says it's a tragedy, but it, it also is not looking down on her for doing that. It sympathizes and empathizes with her pain rather than sort of coming down like and saying like, ah, morally you've done a bad thing. Uh, and I think that that is like a smart and good (laughs) and wise thing for the show to do. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, Because I think speaking from my own perspective and my own history here, like part of the reason, uh, I think a big reason why a lot of people take their own lives is because they feel there is no future Mm -hmm. for them at that point in one form or another. And I mean, with the best will in the world, people can speak to the the platitude of, you know, um, oh, there are always other things that you can find, which is true. Yeah, it's, it's more than a platitude. It's, it's the truth. Yeah. But it can sound... Maybe, maybe that's... In the moment, it can sound hollow. And that's what, like, if that's all you have to offer someone, like, you know, that's... Um, that can be cold It's comfort. a hard sell. Yeah, yeah. There needs to be more... You know, that person's going to need more from from their family and friend community than just that. Yeah. I think the thing that I was just trying to juggle in my mind was um, whether or not, like, how I felt in response to this, like, that... Is it, you know, like, because the show makes a measure of, like, the person's quality, uh, like, a life well lived. I mean, in the end, Shiyuki decides not to come back to life. Like, she accepts her death and accepts her premature end. Yeah. Call it well, that. I don't think there was ever really um, the opportunity for her to come back to life. No, you know I mean? um, although, yeah, not not certainly not without the cost of another person. Well, I think that was all. Term. I think that was all a construct. Do you? Oh, you think it wasn't yep. even going to be on the cards? Mm-hmm. Period. Yeah, I think that mm. him giving her the clam button is like. I mean, to, oh, you mean the PlayStation Move? Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, to to me, it's like you know. Uh, okay, we're in a game again. And then when, uh, and, and that's why everything falls away. Like everything is shown to be a big facade once it, it gets taken to an emotional uh, pitch so high that Decim begins to to weep. Like then he can't maintain the illusion anymore. And 
I hadn't considered that. I, I legitimately thought that he was offering her like an actual out. Mm. So I think um, that's like the final sort of hurdle, right? Like, will will you like for reasons that you know maybe you consider? I, and I don't know where I come down on in ter- like how this works morally, but the way I walked away from it was seeing this choice between like choosing like what is good for you at the expense of other people. And and that could seem like a very justified choice, but in the end, Chiyuki couldn't do it. And like, that is like that, you know, part of empathy that she has is like the, the thing the show wants you to know. And it's like the, the mark of her is like this really, really great person. Is that like, even you have like the equivalent of God, standing there going like it's cool man <laughs> don't worry about it Do just it. kill someone <laughs> no one will notice i, I mean <laughs> and she's like i, no, I mean that's a, i mean wait i mean when you say no one will notice like the show makes reference to the fact that it's, and whether or not this fact is true or not again is naturally necessarily what's most important as a, uh, rather than the points making which is seven thousand people dying by every minute was it or something mm-hmm. like that or every hour something like that I, if i'm assuming it's, it's, it's something every minute i'm assuming but that's your quantity. It doesn't refer to nothing to the quality of nature, the, you know, the texture of people's lives. I, I was just curious, like, I was trying to reconcile my thoughts because I thought, like, I don't blame her, but I don't want it to go. Like, how do I get, like, how do I get this? Because, but I suppose, again, we kind of have to look at it just as being her rather than, like, uh, it's like what I said about Odd Taxi, where it's a case study rather than necessarily making broad judgment. Um, At least that's one way of reconciling it, perhaps. But anyway, I really like how all that was handled regardless. I thought that it was really... I like that it wasn't just as I say about the fact that she couldn't ice game over, but also that the common ground as she saw it between her friends, the things, the thing that brought them together was now lost to her. It wasn't just as simple as, oh, I can't do it anymore. Um, which I thought was really, really well done. And I think explains her point about that she says to her about, like, I can't understand other people because that's the lens through which she understood those people. And that doesn't make that doesn't mean she's right, of course, but rather I think she's forgetting that people can just understand each other without a common framework of like a shared passion. It's just what she's always known. Yeah, well, I mean, so what what really rang false to me about it was So I I understand Chiyuki pre this Death Parade show thinking that. You know, she's like, ah, uh, every, ice skating is everything. I put everything in it. All these other relationships that are supposed to be more important. These people are basically just strangers to me compared to like how I feel about skating. And skating's gone and now. I'm just surrounded by strangers. I don't know anything. I don't know myself. Uh, and and, and the, I mean, she's so vehement about it, like. Uh, people don't understand each other. It's wrong to try to understand each other, which is like a big, another really big step. What I don't get is like, uh, what makes it ring false rather? I get it, but it makes it feel strange is Chiyuki through the whole death parade show. Like, I mean, she becomes this proponent of the need to, for human beings to understand each other or to be understood like because that's 
that's the whole gripe with the judgment system is how can you judge someone? You don't really know them. You don't understand them. Like just seeing a person's memories is not enough. Just seeing how they act in this horrible situation is, is not enough to understand them. Um, like it just is weird that the Chiyuki that like mm. hugged murder kid in order to stop him from hurting unnecessarily causing suffering would then two episodes later say it's wrong to understand each other. Like well, what I mean, there's like a, you know, phenomenally speaking, all those memories have just come back to her brain. So like, yeah, that's that, it. That dump has happened, but it doesn't mean that the other stuff goes away. So I don't know. And I mean, she takes it back, you know, she takes it back uh quickly i think i think i think it's entirely because her memories were absent that she was still able to come back to the uh the core idea i mean if you think about it like you know the 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 idea of being able to relate to a people just purely through empathy and not needing the context on above like above it as an additional layer to me makes a lot of sense like if you think in a visual way so no wonder like when the memories are stripped away and she's able to see things more clearly uh through like you know with that gone and just her soul in there if you want to call mm-hmm. it that her you know like i don't think that that's necessarily a contradiction in the show but rather i think it makes sense that with the memories absent for a time it allows her to yeah realize of course yeah. absolutely like that and that's growth but then she wa- she goes back on it and says it's wrong for people to understand each other in the present moment she says that to decim in the ice skating ring rink uh and I just feel that that's bullshit because she has well, I mean, learned she does... that that's not correct. Well, I, I I hear you, but I think we can. I think I'm willing to allow it just because again she does change, and I think it's because of the immediacy of getting all that back. It's a lot. To but it's like with. treated as this like big deal. You know what I mean? It's treated as this important revelation about her. Like that. There's a conclusion mm. that she's come to after everything she's known. And I hate it. <laughs> I think it is like really, it just hurt that episode for me. Mm, be- I, I suppose I see what you mean because it's important. It is. Yeah, I, I think I see what you mean because I mean we're talking about like memories going back, but like there are the memories she's already yes. made as well. Yes. Um, so I, I see where you're coming from, but I'm willing. I'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt. Um, but anyway. I'm going to move on from talking about that now, and I want to talk about something else that happens in episode 11, I think, or rather, a way that episode 11 is constructed I think is amazing. Okay. So, we I talked previously in the uh, in the other podcast we did about the choice of games, mm-hmm. where I said, why the fuck is this Twister? Like, for example, I was like, what the fuck's going on here? Um, now, we only actually have one more death game, uh, which is uh, Trump. Uh, which is not about being a psychopath running a country, but rather <laughs> um, is, of course, the, game, the card game Old of Trump. Now, yeah. I'm not going to talk. I, I'm not going to talk about that length, but I'm bringing this up by, as to analogize here because, in the same way that when you make a show about games as on description, your choice of game is important. When you make a show or even an episode that is about a character and the sport that they take part in, the choice of sport is also important. I mean, we've talked before about the idea that sometimes shows that feature sports quite heavily can, you know, you either they're technical manuals of sorts, I don't mean that to be derogatory, but of course you have to go into the technical elements, or they are character studies mm-hmm. through which the 
uh, sport is informed that it becomes metaphor what's going on you know mm-hmm. a character like how many times have we seen or like you can imagine a shonen show where it's about baseball and the character finally overcomes the inner doubt they felt and lands that home run and it is you know the actual real world action mm-hmm. uh for, or like the real world event that symbolizes yeah. their inner conflict being resolved and this new found source of yeah, strength the sport is like a context to show <clears throat> something about the characters yeah, yeah. And so this is where I think the decision to make Chuki an ice skater is actually kind of brilliant. Um, Now, because again, in theory, as much as I said about like, you know, picking the games, like you couldn't have in theory picked any sport for her in theory. I mean, at the end of the day, what the actual story is, is about, of course, her being injured in such a way she can no longer take part in it. So why ice skating specifically beyond the Chavok connection? And if Chavo is indeed not a real fairy tale, it could have been anything. You know, it like it serves the needs of the story at the end of it. So what is the need here? And this is the thing that I came to the conclusion about. Ice skating, as I understand it, is about finding and creating moments of beauty from the razor-thin edge, literally, mm. of course, um, you know, uh, and of of being on the ice, of precision, of operating on the thinnest of margins and creating so much grandeur from that. And therefore, what a perfect metaphor for seeing the complexity of people's lives and why Chiyuki is so well suited to being in the role she is as a companion to Desim in making those judgments. Mm. Why she is the one who can see all this complexity and point that out to him. Because she has lived a life engaged in this passion of hers of creating beauty from precision, from living on the knife edge of skating, uh, you know, where one mistake, one time things left around, it just becomes, you know, it all goes wrong. And so I think that's actually such a brilliant metaphor and like back and like visual context for explaining why she is the person she is and why, you know, and backing up her ability to see the nuance. I think it's pretty fucking amazing. And that's why I'm so glad it was picked. That's, you know, I had not thought about that at all. That's actually uh, quite brilliant. So kudos to you, Death Play. Yeah. I, and I'm not saying that that couldn't have been accomplished with other precision sports, of course. Um but rather, I also think that ice skating can have this kind of melancholy to it as mm-hmm. well, depending on how it's presented, yeah, totally. that I think works well here. Yeah. Uh, given the circumstances. Yeah. It's tough, though. I mean, other another individual sport that produces, like, I mean, the only, I guess you could think of maybe ballet, maybe gymnastics, like, that, you know. Ballet, ballet would not, work, I'd think. But there's then you kind of lose the element that you're talking about of uh, being being on a thin margin, being close to disaster all the time. You know, you can be close to yeah. messing up your routine, but in ice skating, you're close to physical harm. <laughs> yeah, and creating, like, you know, those moments of wonder when you do, like, mm-hmm. pirouettes and all that from, like, the most infant, like, the most smallest of, like, yeah. you know, margins the most precise jumps like that's where you find the nuance that's where you find the brilliance by mm-hmm. making it that precise and so it's just yeah, fucking that's good great i love i love it um i will make a couple of other notes though uh about this um because i don't have much else to say other than point out but one 
I'm really glad they didn't do the horribly cheesy thing, which was having Decima escape with her. <laughs> I'm actually really glad that didn't happen because I felt that would have ruined it. Even if it had been done like in the most serious way possible, um, no, I was. I don't think that would have been. See him just like frowning. <laughs> yeah. Um, two. The ice skating is brilliantly animated. Mm-hmm. It's not Yuri on ice. Nothing that does ice skating is going to be Yuri on ice. Good fucking luck with that if you want to try, because you're up against Sayamoso yeah. and she don't take no prisoners. Can you believe that was like uh, only? It's only like a year like later. A year I know. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, like it wasn't too far after Death Gosh, Parade, was no. it? Um, but I mean, it's it looks great nonetheless. It's really well animated. Um, we've got nice close-up shots and everything, and the. the interstitial like all the interspersing of um all the flashbacks works really well also mm-hmm. like we often see them happen as she is doing these complicated maneuvers which only further proves my point that right. we're talking about like the moments of life that happen when you're you know in the middle of this kind of moment like kind of thing this feels very like uh copacetic with it um but lastly i mean i'm gonna be honest here like the revelations that happen with Yuki like feel very back-ended in this show and I feel like maybe my... F- I-, I like this scene a lot, but I feel it would be even better if it, like we had grown to know her more and got to know a little bit more about her as time went on. Um, but nonetheless, much in the same way as I felt about the end of episode three, minus the creepy element <laughs> of, oh, uh, you know, like, it felt like a really wonderful last hurrah. Like, one last time for her to be able to do this. Um, it touched me a little mm. bit. I was like, I was really happy to see her doing it and enjoying it. Um, so yeah, I I thought that the, this choice uh, for Ice Game, this backstory for her, the whole links to Chavot and everything like that, all of it was probably, in my opinion, the best moment of Death Parade. And I think it goes to also reinforce one of its points that ties back to what I was saying earlier, which is, uh, and indeed the thing we'll talk about with the numbers in a bit is, a life is defined by its quality and not by its length necessarily. Mm-hmm. And so even though Chiyuki in the end doesn't... She gets reincarnated, but she doesn't get to go back to stay with her mother. She just, like There's no returning for her at this point. Like Even though her life did end prematurely, it was still filled with wonderful moments. It was still a life well-lived. A life, you know, in which she took inspiration and became like, um, a talented performer Um and also a genuinely good person, as evidenced by what she does in Quindecim itself. Um, are, so, are you saying that the moral of Death Parade is life is not measured by the number of breaths we take? Oh no! But by the moments where you, where that you, take our breath away. Where are you quoting? <laughs> where are you quoting this from? Where do I remember this? It's a cheesy, like internet. Sign, or like the live laugh love type of <laughs> deal. <laughs> Fucking hell! Life is not. Uh, the can you imagine? Can you imagine take? if Quinn? Can you imagine if Quinn Desim just put live live laugh love <laughs> at the back of the bar? <laughs> yes, that would be amazing. Incredible. That's a uh, ginty. No, no, look. <laughs> uh, yeah, Ginty would totally have live laugh love. Mm, yes. Uh, but no, in in all seriousness, like I mean, it is a fair point to make, and I think that that speaks to also one of the things I think Death Parade says about how we look at death is that even if the death is premature in the like the long run of our lives, like you know, 
that doesn't mean that the life that was led is suddenly like lost all value. We have to remember the good things that came along. And I think that's quite, I think that works. Yes, yes, in all I, seriousness. I will, however... Me. I agree. I, I will, however, add the caveat that all the stuff I'm talking about right now that really works in this episode is the thing that I scream at the top of my lungs that I wish the show had done all the way through. Hmm. When I talked to you previously about the idea of not telling a Death Parade story with the detectives, what we see with Yuki is a Death Parade story because it is about how we deal with death, how we deal with remorse, uh, looking back at our life, hindsight. How do we reconcile all this? That to me is what it felt. Death Parade felt like it should have been about. Now, I grant that's my perspective. Mm-hmm. doesn't make it necessarily true. But I just really wish it had been that good all the way through because I think it could have been fucking magnificent if it held true to that quality level from start to finish. But never mind. We got what we got and we still got that, which was good. It was good. And, and yeah. I liked the, and the, I liked thing the detective mentioned. story the most. It was so good. I was really into how whoosh. dark it was and how whoosh, whoosh, gritty. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. And like, I mean... To me, like that, that kind of bit at the end where everything is revealed is like the the first part of like the first part of the sentence, the antecedent that episode twelve kind of finishes, like that really lays some shit out, you know, about like theories of like moral agency and. Um, you know, how, uh, like how valuable Chuki thinks empathy is no matter what. And I mean, all this stuff, uh, and it's, it's done in a really, I thought it was done in a really, I don't know, it was grisly and, and I liked it. Uh, I don't know. I was, I was super captivated by that whole story. Um, now it probably should have happened earlier in the show and then, given more time for the rest of what was to to follow but you know i mean take away let's just take take away the decim versus ginty fight scene <laughs> there's a thing you could oh, excise yeah, from could, the show that could be putting a cannon <laughs> fired out to the ocean for all i nothing care. had nothing to do with nothing I, I although if you were making a much longer show or you were doing something that was much more like like it might let's let's just hypothesize it let's say you were making death parade but Chuki wasn't in it all, and it was simply a competition between like the various bartenders. Like you would have Jinty, you would have Destin, maybe you'd have another two. Jill Stingray. And basically, it was it was Jill Stingray, yes. You'd and it was a competition between all of them, like on who could provide the best, most efficient service, mm-hmm. where it makes it like you know the afterlife element more jokey and less serious. Fine, then you can fit the fight scene in, and then the show itself would be fun in its own right. Spin it would be off. a very different show than what we have right now. But that is also, again, tying back to more main criticisms of Death Parade, which is it has an identity problem. I don't think it knows what it wants to be half the time. We should, we should call the spinoff Cheers, You're Dead. <laughs> Where everybody knows your name, because they're all God. <laughs> ah, it's written on dear. your tombstone. Um, hey. <laughs> Very dark the humor. comes God. in. Like, they ask Fonzie for judgment, but he does the thumbs up or thumbs down. <laughs> hey, or nay. Right. He could, he's the, ar- the next arbiter. <laughs> oh, God. Um, 
The final thing I'm going to mention is this as well. Um, and it's with respect to the numbers thing. Um, because I think... I think even though it seems obvious, like, the, what happens in episode 12 where Chuki comes to the revelation that, you know, oh, uh, like, 7,000 people dying a minute or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I kill one of them somewhere, what does it matter? But I think that it's a really <clears throat> good thing to be reminded of that it, we as human beings don't tend to deal with large numbers very well. No. I mean, look at billionaires. Uh, yeah. When are you gonna end world hunger, Jeff? Fucking do it, do it, Jeff. When are you gonna do create it. a company that doesn't have a racist work culture, Elon? When are you not gonna be a wanker, Elon? Did you see they came out the other <laughs> yeah. day? Like, uh, there's a couple different people that have won lawsuits because Tesla bosses were just being super duper racist to them. I mean, I just personally feel bad for Elon when he's going to try and file custody papers for his kid with Grimes, and he's going to be like, well, I've got to go to the character map to write this name out, haven't I? <laughs> what a tit. Anyway, beside the point, um, we don't handle big numbers very well. I mean, of all the things I'm going to quote right now, and I know this is paraphrased from a different philosopher, but uh, I can't recall where it originally came from, but in fucking Red Alert, of all things, Command and Conquer Red Alert, there's, like, there's, there's a mission in which Joseph Stalin says something to the effect of, when you kill one, it's a tragedy, but when you kill a million, it's a statistic. Right. And, you know, jokey command and conquer stuff, whatever might have happened in that, that's true. You mm. know, if you if you read a news story about a woman who is murdered, like a singular woman, that is going to be more effective than finding out, oh, there were 30,000 women killed by disease. or whatever. Like, you know, we don't handle big numbers well. And so that also, I think, informs so much thinking where... I don't know these people personally, so I can do... I don't give a shit about them. Or maybe I'm a politician and I'll, you know, do something crazy like, you know, deducts their benefit payments for no good reason. Thanks, Tories. <laughs> Dickheads. Uh, anyway. But I like the reminder here that because of all the people we've seen for the good and the bad, that you can't know for certain about the, like, individ- people's individual lives. I mean, this, funnily enough, is actually kind of a parallel to Odd Taxi now I think about where... Even though we, you know, all these people were connected around us, uh, Odakawa got to know quite, know quite a lot of them, but didn't end up knowing all of them in all of their detail, especially not uh, Sakura, whatever her name was at the very end, the actual murderer. And in turn here, like, Chuki, like, one person of 7.8 billion, whatever. But that's just the numbers. It speaks nothing to the fact that, you know, even if they were living the worst, like, most valueless life possible, it's not her life to take. That life still has a, a value in it. And I think that's a great thing for the show to end on as a reminder and also just reaffirm its own message that, well, you know, we have to look at the whole of, uh, you know, each person's life and all of the richness and texture and all of the events and the details and the context. We can't simply reduce its numbers. We can't be like what Oculus says much as I think he was ultimately peripheral where he was just basically wanting to turn into some sort of gristle mill. Yep. Why? I have no idea, but whatever. No, I'm super into this. Uh, It's a message that, like I was, I said this at the top, even though this, the way that they're bringing home their message of empathy really does resonate with me. It's, It's the part of the show that does the most because of the infinite worth. That's right. 
infinite <laughs> worth of each human life. I mean, it's why I think the, you know, the logic of utilitarians just makes me rankle. The like needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Well, like the, the few <laughs> are these real living, breathing people also, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, there are Chiukis among them. There are like people with, you know, families and, uh, mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, everything. So like, I love this, the way that they, they do this, you know, like, uh, SM presents that kind of, you know, frames the, frames the state of things that way. Like so many people die. It's just going to be another who cares. Like, but you, you know, you, you could choose to devalue this one life and you gain everything back that you wanted. And, and she just doesn't because it's just feels so wrong (laughs) to, she, she can't do it. You know, she can't make the choice. It is interesting that in the end, she's like, you do it, (laughs) but I can't do it. (laughs) She's like, press the button. I can't press the button, (laughs) but, but, uh, setting that aside i mean in full agreement with you about this message in the show i think it is great and it is the the thing that the show got most right for me yeah i mean also it's just really nice to see desim try to do his own remake of it's a wonderful life so hey there we are are we done with talking points you know i'm right <laughs> i think we're done you know i'm right we're done we're done on that note we're gonna wrap up i suppose Right, uh, well, in that case, then, let's get to rating the episodes and the show as a whole, I guess. Um, well, I mean, I'm actually going to give free ratings here, to be quite blunt, because fuck it. I don't okay. care. Uh, I will give I will give episode 11 on its own the full five Ooh. out of five uh, quads ice skating maneuvers, because it is the perfect synthesis of well-intentioned use of the sport in question, the, uh, like, the idea behind it, and all of the wonderful implications thereof and it was great seeing chiyuki like having that one last hurrah like i think it was pretty much damn near flawless as far as its intentions went and also in how it was executed and like animated um if only the rest of the show were like that my overall feeling on it would be a lot higher um with respect to the final block of episodes um i will christ I feel like this is one of those things, like, you know, when you hear, like, about averages and you remember that averages are skewed inherently mm-hmm. by the lower and upper bounds of their ranges, so they're not actually the most useful statistic in the yes. world. Um, I am ultimately going to give this block of episodes uh, four out of five destroyed uh, air hockey pucks. Okay. Because even though I didn't really care about episode nine and I thought the Mayu and Arada stuff was just a complete waste... Everything else pushed it up for me and elevated the show, uh, or at least this block of episodes, enough that I didn't care in the mm-hmm. end. Like, my not wanting to talk about the stuff in, um, you know, episode 9, for example, or, uh, or a little bit more detail about Mayu Narada beyond my spicy take is not so much a function of me, like, actively disliking it, but rather I feel there's much more interesting stuff going on in the rest of the episodes, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So that's why I feel like it brings it up. And then... I suppose at the end of it all, uh, after all of this, um, I'm going to give the entire show uh, three and a half Memento Mori cocktails out of five. Um, It desperately, desperately needed trimming down. 
It needed a lot more focus. It needed to really understand what it wanted to be about and stick to that. There are shows and writers who can like weave between comedy and tragedy really well. Uh, I mean, Ikuhara, you know, like, and Utena, like Utena also being a good use of how fairy tales are woven into stories and all that, funnily enough. But the thing I should also know about Utena and also Penguin Drum, which I was thinking of, is they're also longer than this show, so they have more re- breathing room to flex between comedy and tragedy, of course. Uh, but if you don't have the time or the writing ability to do that, stick to your guns. And as I say, like, in my opinion, this entire show should have been of the same vein in terms of its writing quality and the amount of thought and effort points was episode 11. And if it had done that and maybe cut its length down in half, I think it would have been a masterpiece. But as it is, it is a mishmash of stuff where the creators were given license to make 12 episodes and they went a bit too far with it and didn't really have any sense of self-restraint or control for, for much Achibana. of it. So it's a shame. <laughs> It would go on. It's a yeah, shame. The director would go on to make incredible work after this. <clears throat> um, yeah. Uh, this block of episodes, I am going to give. Hmm. I'm gonna give it. I think as a whole, three point. Two five horns uniting into a single corn to spend eternity in the world together. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, th- these episodes uh, left me uh, cold at the end, um, which is very weird. I was so sure I would like the show going into it. Um, but I just think this block of episodes demonstrated to me that, like, yeah, that it was not going to be the kind of show that was more than, like, kind of interesting, competent exercise. Like, it really, I think, should have gone beyond acknowledging that the status quo of whatever this is is bad mm-hmm. um i've just seen too much of that <laughs> and it's a good first step but i just needed more and then some of the other things that it said at the towards the end i thought are said better elsewhere i think the show as a whole i i will give a better rating i'll also give it three and a half um uh darts thrown in your eyeball or whatever out of five <laughs> but, but like, it's 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 the, it's the half dart just the needle and then they yep. just let you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do, does that count does that count as bullseyes hmm. hey. <laughs> i think that there are some really good individual stories here i just think as a, as a whole it's just lacking a punch for me. Uh, there are things I like about it, things I like about the characters. There are, are themes that it conveys pretty well. Um, but I just didn't think that the entire production like rose to a level that I expected that it would do. Um, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it just it it was. I don't regret spending my time with this show by any means, but like, no, I think it just fell a little bit flat for me. Fair, fair. I, I mean, it's actually kind of funny because we've had disagreements about various elements of this show throughout, but we the ended up raising the same in the end, yeah. which is which is kind of curious, but also kind of great because we, you know, when it came to our taxi, our final uh, second stream show. We were pretty much unanimous all the way through to the end with maybe one mild exception in terms of its quality. This has been all over the map. Yeah. Like, I should I should put this on a line chart. You can just see it like, turning into this like, really weird sideways thing. I love <laughs> You hated it. Yeah. Yeah. And yet we ended up racing yeah. the same, and that's kind of fascinating. You loved, uh, um, you loved episode 11, and I was very, like, lukewarm on it. Well... Hey, that's fair enough. I mean, I think that leads into my next point, and the thing I'll end our discussion of Death Parade on, uh, which is this. Um, I just want to remind people who might be listening to this podcast that ultimately our opinions on this show are ours as critics, and we don't mean to devalue anyone's experiences nope. in watching the show, and especially if it was of a positive help to them at a time they really needed. Because that's the impression I get, I think, from people saying that Death Parade was really good. Um, and they, And when I say that, I don't mean to say that everyone's saying that it was really good because it helped them when they were in the bad patch. I think some people genuinely think it's of really course. good. And you know what? Fair place, fair place to you as well. But rather, what I mean to say is this. like At the end of the day, even if I ultimately found it like uneven and all the other problems I've talked about, if you liked it, that's great. And I'll tell you what, if you liked it and it was there for you in a dark time in your life and reminded you of your own value as a person and the fact that, you know you've got to keep on going on all that, you know, like there's a lot to live for. Um, Then as I've said, no rating that I could ever give in our little arbitrary system would ever adequately describe the value of this as therefore. And that's not just, of course, true of Depre. That's true of so many other shows. I mean, going back to Wonder Egg, which we, of course, really eviscerated in its special episode. I mean, if that show helps you through a rough spot again, Mm -hmm. um, who are we as two random chuckle fucks on the internet or anyone else I'm at to tell you you're wrong for liking it because it helped you in a tough spot. Uh, so if that's been the case for you, listener or viewer, um, I'm really glad that that's the case. Uh, and please be assured that we don't mean to be mean spirited towards anyone's reactions to the show, but rather just that we're looking at as critics and, you know, a critic can only go so far in expressing value but for each person individually, as this show has proven many times, or rather tried to message us, to us about, you know, each person's experiences have their own value. And if this show, as I say, was helpful for you in the dark time, that's what matters most. Yeah, uh, very well said. Well, well articulated. And I, for one, welcome disagreement, you know, uh, about this. I welcome people's arguments opinions you know on youtube comments on twitter on discord wherever um tell me and shadon why we're wrong uh and i would love to to hear what your experience is with the show what you like about and i mean not even just necessarily to argue with you unless you want to you know to uh engage an argument with us and kind of debate over points, but if you just want to share your experience with the show, I love to hear that also. Cause like, yeah, I mean, art is this thing that like context of experiencing of it matters so much. <laughs> so 
So uh, get in touch. Let us know how dumb we are uh, and how great mm-hmm. Death Parade is. Indeed. And speaking of how you can get in touch with us, uh, to round out, you can find us at Warrior Show on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Shaded1010 on Twitter as well. Uh, Doc, uh, to speak for you, you can find yourself at The Subtle Doctor. Um, if you've enjoyed this podcast and want to support us, we again no longer have a Patreon, so don't worry about looking for that. But you can go to Ko-Fi or Coffee or whatever. <laughs> uh, you can become a confection. You can become a confectionado of Warrior Death Show by <laughs> donating to us. Uh, so yeah, co-fi forward slash Desho. Pop over there, drop us a tip in. That would be hugely appreciated. And if you are, of course, listening to this on uh, our other services, for example, Spotify or Apple Music, all the places where we may be found, uh, a quick rating, you know, give us the, give us the full stars. Like, you know, think of it like the end of a Mario level. You know, you want to get you want to get all the stars at the end of a Mario level, and we do too. So give us all the stars, all the likes, all that sort of stuff. It really helps with our discoverability, and we would hugely appreciate that. But otherwise, um, thus it's in. this is the end of Desho the Third, <laughs> yeah. which has been its own its own little ride in its own way. Um, what all I mean, have we covered? I don't think <clears throat> I don't I don't think you would disagree with me, Doc, to say that the best thing we've covered on Desho the Third has been Show Again Rico Rakio Shinjo, oh, of course. By, uh... By some distance, my friend. Yeah. That was a f- yeah, that, just so freaking amazing. <laughs> that was great. It, it, it was. It was indeed. Um, but I want to give a special commendation to another show that we covered okay. uh, that really restored my faith in, like, hey, maybe I need to give things more chance and more benefit of the doubt. Uh, and also that seemed to be created in such a way as to actively disprove its own initial setup like like it was growing up in real time along with its lead character and i am of course referring to bottom tier character oh my god which (laughs) that's right which by which by its end was really damn solid and it started off in the most like limp of places but then in a way again i can't help but shake that this is somehow intentional like we started laying like the main character and we got great by the end uh it really surprised me uh in how much it matured as a story in how it actually started tackling some really interesting stories. it didn't fall for the obvious pitfalls as far as the anime material is concerned um i mean there were still problems with by all means but i really feel like it deserves noteworthy praise for being one of the few shows i can think of which i've watched which started off bad and was pretty good by the end as opposed to what we often find which is where they start off good if not great and kind of peter out fizzle out towards the end uh so yeah kudos to uh top tier character mm-hmm. tomazaki as far yeah. as i'm concerned yeah. uh yeah. and but, don't I forget mean, girls last tour uh oh of course the, yes the, them of the long faces uh oh G- glt glt is a is a wonderful little show a delight i a delight i i honestly have such affection for it for just being so so unique um it, yeah absolute joy so we've covered some really good stuff on death show the third uh not we've not mentioned everything we've covered on this of course but i mean that's some great i think stuff. we might this, have of course one of the... <laughs> oh is that literally it oh, yeah i mean it's, it's only been around well, for about uh we've only we only did the format year? for a year uh so, yeah yeah but it'll be what it'll be. And uh, in turn, I would like to thank our mm-hmm. patrons who supported us throughout time and made that possible. Uh, that's a lot of money to give a, 
a pair of dudes to talk about anime, but we really appreciate mm-hmm. also in turn for suggesting the shows we covered. Yes, indeed. Hugely, hugely appreciated. Massively, massively you. grateful uh, to everyone mm-hmm. who has contributed in any way and everyone who has listened to these. So, and indeed, yeah, but, but, but it's, the pod goes but, on. Yeah, the the show does not go on, but the pod does. So we will be back next week with the finale for Sunny Boy. Somehow, I don't know how we're going to cover all of that in one go, but we'll and make the it. Last work. stream of thought. It'll be, you know, it'll be it'll be quite the experience. And then uh, in the near future, in November, will be the commencement of yes. our new uh, set of pods, where we'll start talking about anime and non-anime less frequently, but better. That's right. That's right. The that's the the, plan. the, the quality quantity you know uh split returns again you spoke of it earlier it's uh it's happening and it's it's being evidenced in 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 the podcasts that we're doing fewer but as you said better beefier more substantive indeed absolutely uh and i also will start attempting to do content uh solo content on the regular as well to fill the gaps so keep an eye out for that when that starts up Probably talking about individual episodes of anime that I've seen. Like, I remember recently seeing, for example, a really, like, one of the really good episodes of Kikeki Shoujo just had my brain going. I was like, I want to talk about this. <laughs> that kind of stuff, basically. But anyway, we'll not uh, talk about the future right now. We'll uh, instead leave it there. So, um, thank you, dear listener. Thank you, dear viewer, for your time. I hope you've enjoyed our discussion of Death Parade uh, from myself and Doc. Um, please take care, stay safe, look after yourself. Hope you're all doing well. Um, despite everything that might be going on in the world right now um, hoping for the best for all of you from the bottom of my heart and as we often say on this podcast and we just like to you know end with a little flourish because it's from a franchise that we adore but also the message is true and fair embrace everyone to the ends of the universe Good night. bring back the brothers Dreaded sunny days, so I'll meet you at the cemetery gates Keats and Yates are on your side I dreaded sunny days, so I'll meet you at the cemetery gates Keats and Yates are on your side